Hey, Ian. Yes, Tim. How would you define martial law? When the military uh, authority overrides civil authority. What does that mean? What does that, what does that mean? Basically, the generals start calling the shots. The generals start calling the shots. Or the commander, the president, yeah. Where, where, where do you get the definition from? Where, where, that was just off the top of my head, based on what I've known through video games and, and history. and. What, like what if the military gets deployed to enforce special non-civilian law? Is that martial law? Ooh, wow. It sounds, sounds like it. So let's say they suspend civilian law, impose special laws, and then the military comes to enforce those yeah, special yeah, laws. Yeah, that sounds exactly like You think it's martial law? Yeah. According to at least one uh, report that I was reading from the U.S. government, we cited on TimCast.com, martial law requires the, 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 a military commander to assume authority to create or execute laws. And so what's happening in Australia doesn't officially count as martial law. Okay. Though many people are saying it is because the military has been deployed in Sydney to enforce the lockdowns. And um, that's one way of putting it. The other way to put it is Australia has called in the military to suppress protests against the lockdowns. It's getting uh, hot, to say the least. And we got a bunch of other news, too. I mean, on, on top of that, in the United States, there's talk of uh, vaccine mandates for federal employees. Now, I, I believe the firefighters uh, union is, is saying no to this. The postal workers union is saying no to this. The, uh, there's talk about maybe a national mandate in general. And now the White House is pushing back, saying, no, 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 we're not going to do that. It's not going to happen. The New York Times has come out with a story saying vaccinated people can spread the, uh, the Delta variant just as easily as unvaccinated people, which has sparked a major controversy as the White House and other uh, officials are claiming the New York Times is fake news and they're publishing misinformation. And then the Washington Post published something similar. So, hey, YouTube, I don't know what's true anymore. So I'll just say whatever YouTube says in their official rules is the truth and talk to your doctor. Well, we'll talk about this. And we'll talk about what's happening in the political landscape, what's going on with this and these other countries. And we are being joined by Professor of Political Science, Wilford Riley. Uh, great to be here, guys. Will the Beast. Woof. <laughs> do you want to just briefly uh, just in, in, uh, introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm Wilfred Riley. I'm an associate professor of political science at Kentucky State University. I'm probably a bit better known as the author of the books Hate Crime, Hoax, and Taboo. And I'm, I'm glad to be here um, live with you guys tonight. Right on. I'm pretty sure I've cited your book and some of your writings before on, you know, talking about hate crime hoaxes and things like that. So a good logical move. Yeah, like absolutely. It. Absolutely. That's why we're, you're here. And, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about a lot of what's going on. Uh, of course, I just asked Ian a question. He's sitting here. That was exciting. That was exciting. <laughs> that how, intro there. Yeah. How would you define martial law? Um, I think that the simplest definition, because you're going back in political science over different sorts of civilization, would be the military taking over day-to-day -day administration, deciding whether or not you get to do regular, ordinary things. I mean, uh, definitely some of the COVID policy in, for example, Australia, I mean, is, is approaching that level where you see, I mean, you know, tanks moving around in the streets to prevent people from coming outside and that sort of thing. So it, it's a flexible definition. It also, it, I could get into some really eye-glazing wonkery here. Like, it depends on the legal code <laughs> in each one of those countries. But uh, in essence, the, the law that governs the military, what's in that fat green book they give you in the army, governs the civilians. The army's running the country. There, there is, though, in the U.S., it's a, they say civilians will not be tried in military tribunals or military courts. So it's basically just, at least as the U.S. US defines it or has in the past— Commander takes over, asserts nearly supreme authority, and civilian law is suspended. Well, we'll get into we'll get into all that stuff, Ian. Well, oh yeah, yeah. Well, hello, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Lydia's pressing all the buttons. I am also here in the corner. I'm very excited for tonight's guest. He's exceedingly eloquent, and I'm really looking forward to what he has to say. So, professor, welcome, everyone. Yeah, I'm excited. 
Before we get started, oh, head over to TimCast.com. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com, become a member, and you'll get access access to exclusive members-only segments of the TimCast IRL podcast, as well as an advertisement-free experience on the website. And that's because we're ad-supported, and we're also member-supported. So if you want to support our fierce and independent journalists who write these stories, break these things down, try to figure out what the truth is, then become a member. Or, I mean, just share the articles you like, because, like I mentioned, we have ads, too. That helps support our work and keeps the keeps the lights on and keeps more and more journalists coming in. Let's talk about this first story we got here. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. Smash that like button. Subscribe to this channel. Share the show with your friends. There we go. There we go. Yeah. All right. Here's the first story we got from TimCast.com. Australia sends their military to enforce coronavirus lockdowns in Sydney. NPR reports the military's help is needed to enforce the restrictions because a small minority of people thought the rules didn't apply to them. New South Wales Police Minister David Elliott told Australia's Channel 9. Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison has come in for heavy criticism in recent weeks over the slow pace of vaccinations in Australia, where about 14% have been fully dosed, one of the poorest records among any member country of the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. So when they say a small minority thinks the rules don't apply to them, did they mean by that 86%? Because that doesn't sound like a small minority to me. Now, here's the fascinating part. Of course, they're bringing in the military. Morrison said, if you get vaccinated, there will be special rules that apply to you. Why? Because if you're vaccinated, you present less of a public health risk. You are less likely to get the virus. You are less likely to transmit it. The prime minister told reporters on Friday, according to the Sydney Morning Herald. Well, now, according to the New York Times and the Washington Post and the Daily Mail and many other outlets, you are not less likely to transmit it. So I, I I don't know. That's what they said. I'm not going to say they're right. I don't know what YouTube's rules are. All, they're all crazy. I will point this out, though. You may have noticed in the past week, there were crazy protests. You see these there's crazy protests all over Sydney. Thousands of people were in the streets yeah. in, in Sydney and like London. Yeah. Um, this is not about a small minority of people that are defying. This is about thousands of people in the streets. Chaos erupts in Sydney as anti-lockdown protesters clash with police. There was another story that said basically the same thing. Chaos in Sydney because regular people were going on with their lives as though there was no lockdown. <laughs> yeah. So what Chaotic, did they do? huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. People yeah. just continue to do their chaos, thing. How much? Yeah. So what did they chaos? do? Deploy the military. Yeah. I mean, so first of all, I think there, there's a lot of competition in, in this race, in these lanes. But Australia seems to have had one of the craziest reactions to COVID-19 of any major state. I mean, I don't, I don't ever want to give incorrect figures, but the, the day over day rolling death average there is, sub, it's below nine. I know that. It's an extremely, extraordinarily. It's way lower. Yeah, it could, it could be that that's the most liberal estimate yeah. I've ever heard sort of past year. The vaccine is available. The thing with COVID-19 is that not everyone is at equal risk from COVID-19. I mean, that, that's mundane as hell, but it bears repeating. I mean, Tim, you pointed this out to me before the show. I mean, the total number of people under 40 that have died from COVID, what, 9,000 or something like that? It's like, it's like 9,700 and something. I don't have the, the full numbers, yeah. but it's, yeah, the 9,000s. Yeah, the, the total number of individuals under 18, at least in the USA, because we keep hearing about the children that yeah. have died from or with COVID-19 is under 600. It's 331. Yeah, that's a population yeah. of 75 million. So, I mean, the, the question with Australia is, have they gotten most of their seniors and their very vulnerable people vaccinated? And I happen to know they have. I mean, that's where they targeted that first chunk of vaccine that got up to around 15% of the population. So the question is, can you keep healthy, younger people that are mostly at very low risk of death, frankly, from COVID-19 or even hospitalization at home for months and years at a time to prevent 
nine deaths a week or whatever. I guess the max that number per day in a country the size of California, Texas. I, I would say no. I mean, that, that seems utterly bizarre in terms of how we look at liberty. There's a it, well, do they have any there? A lot of people are making the joke. That's like, ah, oh, former penal colony. Ha ha. OK, well, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, perhaps I guess you know I was thinking about this and maybe there is something to that we as Americans fought for our independence to win it people in Australia it was part of you know I don't know the full history of Australia but you know penal colony I don't know their full the, the, the numbers for Australia I can only really speak to the US mm-hmm. but I will say that there was this, there was this viral video that was uh, um, I just put it crazy and hilarious I suppose it's a news report of Australia where they're like one person has been infected oh yeah We'll be locking down for the next month. And it's like, wait, what? It's like, wow, people have gone gone really over the top with this stuff. I tell you, I see some of these stories and I'm like, if there was anything, if I was if I was trying to advise any of these people to like discourage vaccination, I'd be like, keep doing what you're doing. This is, this is a great. No, they're, they're, they're trying to get people to get the vaccine, but they're just doing basically the opposite. You think when you have 14% of your population getting vaccinated, sending in the military is going to make them think you're, you have the best, their best interest at heart? Ah, the opposite. Because you, you go this route, there's no turning back. Now you have dedicated yourself to authoritarianism. You have sacrificed your trust and credibility. Where can you go after that? Well, I mean, you, you can go some ugly places. But I actually, this is to me by far the most disturbing thing about COVID-19. I mean, the, the things that the citizenry has allowed to be kind of placed on the table. Um, so even before the vaccination, I mean, in, in the USA, something like 2.8 to 3.1 million people die every year. I mean, that's, that's damn close to 10,000 a day. It's eight or 9,000. So even at the peak of COVID-19, I, I had no objection at that time to, Wearing a mask, I actually got one that works, which most people didn't. But you're not seeing a devastating world-ending plague. Like, even at the peak of COVID-19, there's no evidence, really, if you look at, like, the West, the Western European studies, the major pieces that were actually published in journals, that lockdowns worked better than sort of well-done NPI. You know, stay home if you feel sick, yeah. quarantine the sick, clean your body, that kind of thing. But now with the vaccine out, and in most of these countries, including Australia, the truly vulnerable vaccinated, you're seeing these utterly bizarre moves. Like you're, what you described is a factual situation. There was one infection, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that wasn't a death. That wasn't a I don't hospitalization. Know the whole news story they're talking about, just like some viral video where they mentioned a guy. Got infected. Someone got sick, and I think he was hospitalized, but they're they're not dead, and they're not going to be. And so they locked down nine hundred thousand people. That's New South Wales. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's a region that's roughly comparable to one of the Dakotas. It's a huge state, decent number of people in it. Um, I think if this is possible in reaction to that level of risk, like. One, let's say death means 900,000 incarcerations for three months. It would be very, very difficult for these Western societies to do anything functional going forward. Not even the stereotypical war with China. But what are we going to do about climate change? Like this, this stuff's not off the table. Like I see, I foresee climate lockdowns being a very real possibility. They've, they've already talked about masks it. next flu season. And at some point, people are just going to have to say, no, I'm going to vote for the conservative party or even, even the libertarians or whatever is necessary to crazy stuff. But what, whatever is necessary to kind of get this, you should not stop living your life because someone else might die. That way lies a society with no cars, you know, so on down the line. Some people do think this is the climate lockdown. We saw very early on after a couple of weeks of the lockdown, New York Times posted that story saying the earth is healing. And people started talking. There a bunch, a bunch of articles emerged about pollution and everything clearing up. And then a lot of people said they're probably exploiting the crisis 
because they have the climate change agenda. But then, you know, I, I wonder, for, first, you know, I'll say this. I don't trust the powerful political establishment and elite. They, they claim climate change is a disaster, but they buy beachfront property and yeah. things like that. So part of me wonders, though, we talked about this the other night with windshield, the windshield phenomenon. Have you ever heard of that? Uh, no, no, I haven't, frankly. People have started to notice that when they drive their cars, there's less insects than there used to be. And so it's called the windshield phenomenon. And they've done studies where they found like an 80% reduction in uh, over, over from 2017 to 2021. I think that's what, those are the dates. Yeah, Denmark. They, they found a reduction of 80% in insect populations hitting windshields. And a lot of people think that... What you can get grants for in science, by the way, is absolutely <laughs> amazing, bro. I mean, that, that's got to be at least a million-dollar project. But sorry, well, sorry sure, sure. A waste of money. Uh, and, and, and not, not a waste of, waste of money in terms of doing the study though. Mm. But you know, they wasted money when they did the study. It's oh, like, for sure. How much money do you need to drive the car back and forth for four years? A million dollars. Cause we're going to hire someone to drive. <laughs> Gotta get dinner right. after, we're going to do this driving too, in yeah. Barbados. <laughs> yeah, home great. of the next American, you know, etymological association conference. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. But, but isn't there something that's scary to that? And, uh, you know, I, that's what I'm worried about. What if, what if there is an ecological collapse and that's why they're they're actually locking everything down? I mean, would we want to just, you know, eat and fart ourselves to death like like yeast in a bottle or would we need some collective action to stave something off or at the, or at the worst? Are there ideologues who believe a doomsday scenario who have seized the reins of power and are imposing their cult like ideology over everybody else? That's a that's a fascinating uh, bit of a bit of a leading question there. It's something we're both skeptical about in you know, leadership around the world. But I, in reality, so there there are a couple of different elements to this. First of all, I am not a conspiracy theorist because I think most people are stupid. I mean, we're both from Chicago. I believe both from that South Side area. Oh yeah, where where where? where? Um, I was born in the Bridgeport area of the city. Oh, okay. I moved uh, north to Wicker Park pre-gentrification. I went to St. Mary's. Um, oh wow. Yeah, Mid- for, Midway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I lived in. Uh, Bridgeport for a little bit, that's by, by, by Comiskey, right, or by U.S. Cellular Field. Yeah, that, that's right down there. That's all <laughs> yeah. that. That's White Sox country. That's all. right. I have family in um, that whole like Chatham, uh, Bronzeville, that whole area, yeah. sort of black and Irish in uh, South Side of Chicago. That's right. Now, I like I said, I personally claim the North Side. I went to, I was in Wicker since I was like a little kid. Yeah. I moved to, I still have a house in East Aurora, like the traditional oh, sort of Latino and Eastern European area of that city. So another blue collar area right nearby. Yeah. An hour away, an hour, but and that's and 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 what were you saying? You think people are dumb? Yeah, well, I, that's that's, <laughs> that's, that's hey, the point. what are you saying about Chicago? Oh, <laughs> no, that but that that's the point though. I mean, like even watching people I knew in high school try to sell coke in Little Italy or East Aurora or something. I mean, <laughs> you, the percentage of those guys that went to jail is like sixty five. I don't wow. think that there are actually functional behind the scenes cabals where you have one Arab guy, one Nigerian guy, one French guy, two Americans, and a Brit that are secretly trying to control the economy of the world or something like that. I do, I do think you have groups. I mean, many of the things that people say in sort of conspiratorial conversations like Skull and Bones at Yale or Bilderberg Group actually exist. You have groups of rich people that clash with one another and pursue different agendas, just like you have cl- groups of upper middle class people that do this or media individuals. But I do think, like, first, there was a weird sort of climate porn that you saw in the mainstream media for a while. Where you'd see these headlines like whales have been spotted in such and such a canal. And it's like, that's because there aren't any goddamn people. Like you, yeah. excuse me, in language. But they've, they're taking all the, the ships out of the normal shipping lanes. People are on lockdown. That's not a positive. 
Uh, the the best of these articles, either from COVID or within the f- couple of years before, was The Guardian, why Genghis Khan was good for the environment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because he killed so many people. Right. You see right. that the smoke from the cook fire stopped the planet cold. Are there some other people they would like to make those claims about? Um, I yeah, think that... I don't think so. Well, I think that today, I, I don't think there's a conscious attempt to usher in a climate lockdown because of COVID. But la- last sentence, kind of getting to the point here on my end, I think that... The bigger issue is that the people that are running a lot of American discourse have the same solutions to everything. This is so if you notice the climate solutions like we need to pursue a more socialist, generous policy of X, Y, Z are the same as the covid solutions and the same as the proposed solutions to our race crisis. So I I don't think the issue is so much what the key that opens the door is. It's kind of what comes through. Like, all of these things are being used by people that want the same agenda to a certain extent. Uh, right. Yeah. It's a, it's a standalone complex, we have to say it. It's, it's not a conspiracy. It's a bunch of people of similar ideology working in a similar direction because they believe similar things. And Maybe. Then it, but when you look at the Pareto distribution of, you know, basically almost everything in existence, you get the extremes at the very top and at the very bottom. But these extreme wealthophile powerful people maybe this is see i don't have any data to back this up except that you know you look at sociologically there are times when the very very few will will coagulate at the top and i wonder if there are a small group of people that have been organizing this since i mean if you look at the way the federal reserve was built by like eight guys yeah jekyll island mm. that was crazy Oop. creepy story True, but I think the issue of the creature from Jekyll Island. Right. I I think the issue with that, though, is that, well, at the simplest level in political science, about half of the rich disagree with the other half. I mean, that's that's why there's this extraordinary kind of back and forth of like, well, you're funded by the Koch brothers. Well, you're funded by George Soros and the sciences. I mean, you have the Chinese billionaires that unexpectedly are kind of coming in often on the right side of things politically. Yeah. I mean, on the other hand, you have uh, the the moon men, these tech bros that are currently flying around in space. So I, I don't think there's one unified position that people are advancing across, say, great wealth to try to move the world forward. I think that there are some positions that are more influential than others because one group of sort of coastal – Upper middle class, urban, big city, mostly leftist, happens to control the media, social media, and academia in the USA and Britain in particular. So there are ideas you see more often than you see other ideas. And I think that that is, that the climate panic is one of those. But I don't think in practice a Governor DeSantis or somebody is necessarily going to back that actually happening or the billionaires in that state are going to. You're familiar with the journo lists? Have you ever heard of those? Not journalist, journo, like, Jern dash O dash list. It was a list. It was it was a web list of journalists that all communicate with each other. Oh yeah, yeah. This is this is a, this is a good example of I guess I don't, I don't know. It borders on conspiracy in a sense, in that they would all share stories and then agree on them because they were all in the same chat, and then all of these outlets would publish oh, yeah. the same stories. Well, to clarify, I don't think conspiracies don't exist. Actually, to talk to kind of the audience for a second, if you don't think there are wealthy powerful people behind the scenes that sometimes collab together to do things that would get you arrested you're a fool i mean like even at my little level like i'm pretty i'm a member of like the lower upper class like, and i'm often contacted by friends from the u of i law for example or you know freedom fest which i just attended great event but reasonable pretty high level stuff media figures do you want to work on this um let's keep this low key for now 
We're gonna yeah. we're gonna trip them from behind with this one. And I would only imagine what Prince Harry's inbox looks like. <laughs> so of course they're conspiracies in that sense. The question I guess really is just when it crosses the line to the crazy scenarios a lot of the left and the hard right seem to believe in. So like for example, my email list right now is I think eight thousand people. Nothing crazy, but eight thousand. Most of them are journalists of some kind. They're mostly on the center right. I'm pretty sure I could create a story if I happen to find out some piece of information about a crooked politician. The the only reason that's annoying when you look at the journal list or a lot of the I mean, there are a whole like jobs that are left is still up on Google where they advertise all these left leaning activist jobs. And it's one network wow. of people, many of whom don't admit they're left leaning activists. So the issue with that, I think, is the pretense of neutrality. Right. So if there's anybody from, say, CNN or NPR on on the message list, or that, that's very ethically problematic. I, th- I think both you and I would say, like, I'm heterodox, maybe center, center right politically. I think the government's a bunch of scumbags. Like, I have a set group of opinions, pretty open about them. If you say I'm a neutral reporter for NBC and you are taking talking points from – you know, a junior operative at the DNC that you're sleeping with, who's the person ahead of you on the journal list. <laughs> oh my! No, but I mean, you're talking about a real person there. Uh, no, of course not. <laughs> of course a gentleman not. would not say such a thing. But I mean, like, if you and uh, that actually is, I, I have someone in mind, but they don't work at NBC, and it's not particularly I know what you're relevant. Talking about. Mm, maybe, but anyway, <laughs> but anyway, like the the point of all this is that if you go on the air and you're saying this BS, and this, this goes for the right as well, like all these guys talking about chastity until marriage is critically important. Uh, yeah. Lock the door, Javier. You know, like if you're doing that, there's a significant ethical issue with that. I, I think that's really the only point. There are many conspiracies behind the scenes. Journalists have opinions. And, you know, I, I, I used to think that we would try to have journalists keep their opinions to themselves so they could just do the job and, and not cause strife. But I, I think that that era is, is long since past, you know, because the difference in opinions now is, is fundamental worldview, where someone's opinion is literally them saying, I support the Constitution. And someone else's opinion saying, I oppose it. And I'm like, well, hold on there a minute. Like, we've got a very, very distinct difference of worldview on this. It used to be a journalist could say something, well, of of course I support the United States and the Constitution. That was not controversial. Now it is. So now if you you came out and said, I believe America should enforce its immigration laws, you're right wing. That's that's one of of the (laughs) ways they've tried accusing me of being a conservative is that they're like, Tim Pool has defended conservative claims about immigration in the United States. I'm like, what does that what does that mean? Bernie Sanders was pro border barrier in 2008 and, and 2015. He said no open borders. Just because he went farther left doesn't mean I moved. But that's where we're at. I mean, it, you 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 can literally just say something innocuous, and it's literally conservative because the left has become so extreme and revolutionary. I suppose. Yeah, and I also think this moves in cycles. I mean, like, I'm a hip-hop kid, and I remember the moral majority in the 1980s, although Tipper Gore was part of this, but, like, chasing rappers and hard rockers through the halls of Congress, you know, asking two live crew what a coochie was, like, just this (laughs) this ridiculous, embarrassing crap. I mean, just, you know, and so that sort of thing, like, had they gotten their way, we wouldn't be talking about parental warning labels on rapper rock CDs. We'd be talking, or, I mean, imagine EDM, Cruella, and all that. You'd be talking about that not being available on the market. Like, Get It Wet would be available only as, like, a download from some pirate site. Same with a DMX or Jay-Z album. So that, that was the right overextending. And I think we've definitely seen the pendulum swing back into complete lunacy this is one of the things that i noticed a lot when i wrote taboo specifically because some of it was intended to be edgy like oh let's take on the alt-right let's take on blm but like the immigration chapter i thought was just completely neutral 
Like at one point, I, I think my description was we should let in sane, reasonably able-bodied, non-criminal immigrants capable of getting jobs, which might involve some kind of basic IQ or aptitude test. It's like, well, wouldn't it? And people started describing this as sort of a far-right proposal. <laughs> like during an interview, someone asked me if I would let in disabled women with AIDS. And I said, I mean, I kind of danced around the question, but it was just sort of, I wouldn't prioritize that as an immigration policy, let's say. <laughs> like, there's an element of amoral common sense that you kind of need to exist as a healthy adult. And I think to some extent we need to get back to, let's say, morally rational shared common sense. Like, the country's flawed, but if you openly fight against it, we're not going to say that you're the highest form of patriot. This, this is one of the biggest problems we have right now. A far right in the colloquial sense opinion on immigration would be shut down. Oh, actually, I think it's repatriate, re, re, repatriation is the right word. So you actually see these opinions on the internet where people who All are very, time. yeah, they're like, send them back. Like, but they live here. It's like, don't care. It's like, okay, that is weird. Like they moved here. They got citizenship and you're like, nope, cut them on. All right. Mm. Then you've got a right wing opinion of we should, you know, a further right. We should lock down the borders. No more immigration. Then you've got the right. We should have sound immigration policy. And then you have like the center right where it's like, well, we're okay with, with refugees and asylees. Then you have the center where it's like a similar position. You get, start moving to the left and they're like, open up the borders, increase the numbers. If you, if you entertain the centrist position of, um, like, like my, my position literally where they claim it's conservative is, I think we should allow, uh, legal asylees, refugees, uh, refugees to come into this country and we should help them. Uh, there should obviously be some limits so we don't get exploited, like people who might come from Africa to Brazil and then try and come here. Got some lot of questions, got, got questions about that, but Cuba and Mexico, like, yeah, by all means, let's figure this one out. That's conservative. Well, I mean, I, I do think you need to get into some of the technical definitions. Like, I, I don't necessarily think, without mocking your position, that you'd be an asylum seeker from Mexico in any kind of real political sense. Like, This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. A lot of the countries, this was one of the things that struck me because I took some time off from standard academic writing while I was working on the books. And like coming back into this debate, people were starting to use the term asylum seeker for... Immigrants Economic coming, migrant. Yeah, but people coming from countries like in terms of a lot of the groups in Chicago, Mexico, Poland, Guatemala. Guatemala actually would be one of the Central American countries that we're supposed to feel the most sort of heart rend for. Uh, Honduras, Brazil, Costa Rica. Costa Rica is a pleasant oh, country. It's amazing. Yeah, it's a great place. Yeah. Pura Vida. It's where they filmed Jurassic Park. Great food. I mean, it's just – but the idea that someone who's a Tico from Costa Rica is a refugee is absurd. I mean <laughs> – Right, right, right. But so, I mean, it's just... But that, that that's what I mean. Like, I'm talking about, let's say there's somebody who lives in a border city in, in Mexico, and they run afoul of some gangs or something, and then they're like, what do I do? And so they jump, you know, they, they go to the border, they go and say, they're coming for me, what do I do? Okay, well, that person, we don't want to die. I mean, it'd be if someone came to my house screaming and panting and threatened to be like, help, call the police, I'd call the police. Mm. But that's 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 not the majority so it's like what you said. The left has started calling all of them 
asylees, refugees. AOC did it. Legal asylees have broken no law. And then Homan was like, yeah, they did. They violated this law. And he reads it off. Yeah. So there are certain circumstances where I can absolutely understand. Like if a guy's being chased and he runs through the river or whatever to, to escape, it's like, all right, well, you know, I don't know what to say to that guy. Like, get safe. You know what I mean? But, but what we're seeing is people from Africa flying to Brazil, traveling up through South America to the U.S. border. We're saying people from these South American countries moving up, coming to America. I'm like, dude, they're economic migrants. Yeah. They get turned away. Well, I mean, I think the, the not first anymore, que- actually not anymore. The first question in response to even kind of the moral component of that would be like, if I grew up in Baltimore, do I have a, the right to seek asylum in Japan? That's what I'm talking about. No. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's there's an element of so like l- looking at this point by point as a political scientist, like if you're in Mexico. First of all, if you're in Mexico and you're engaged in a violent gunfight with the cartels, you're very unlikely to be a taxpayer. I mean, like the old American mafia, like you're there are some brutal abuses of women and so on in coyote roles. But it's very unlikely that the cartels and, say, a group of policemen are, without any negotiations, going to challenge each other to the kind of fighting that requires one of the policemen to flee here. If that happens, sure. I mean, but, the, I mean the, the border cities of Mexico are extremely violent. There's shootouts all the time. Yeah, well, there, I mean, there are shootouts in American cities, too, actually. Yeah. We have, a, I mean, like Baltimore has a higher crime rate than most of the cities on the border. I guess That's what true. I'm saying is most of those shootouts involve the equivalent of gang violence. Right. Um, but, I mean, so with, at risk of being, like, thought cold, there are a bunch of solutions here. Like, first, you can move within Mexico. Mexico right. actually has funds that are dedicated to helping people get away from gang and cartel warfare. As we do, by the way. I mean, we have massive witness relocation programs and so on. So, I mean, I think that would be my first uh, step if I were a Mexican citizen and patriot that was having this problem. I mean, at the, another level, like, we could let people into the country that could document this. Um, and I mean, I guess improved version of a polygraph test. Like, there'd have to be something almost unpleasant to go through. But there'd have to be a period during which you could stay in the country. You could have, for example, a one-year protective visa if you're not a traditional refugee. Mm. People forget this, by the way. Refugees and TPS uh, recipients are supposed to go back when the crisis is over. So I think a lot of this stuff on the left becomes the endless extension of compassion, where you see people that were displaced by, for example, that awful earthquake in Haiti, which is a legitimately terrible thing, but 15 years later are still in the USA and are not oppressed. I mean, many of the, not necessarily Haiti, but many of, like, the black Caribbean states are island paradises. I mean, Bermuda, Bahamas, Barbados. I mean, they have incomes on par with the USA. So guys would be here running stores and things of that nature. Like, I appreciate anyone's desire to hustle and get a better life, but that's the same explanation people give for selling weed. Like, if you come here from Mexico or Bahamas, in 99% of cases, you're not an asylee. That's a far-right opinion, though. Yeah, I mean, well, okay, I'm far right on this issue. Like almost everyone in the country. I mean, I mean, like media wise. Yeah. Like I'm not literally. I, I know. I'm saying me. like simply having a position where you're like, hey, how does this make sense? I I think it has a lot to do with, I, I guess, tribal psychosis that there that people are so desperate to climb their claw their way to the top of the social order on the left that they're constantly one upping their opinions and accusing the other people of being impure. So you get some person who like ten years ago was on the left and were like, I agree with Bernie Sanders. Well, by that standard today, you are a far right, you know, individual. You're a you're a nationalist. You're evil. You're a, well, all the really awful words they'll use for you. Yep. How 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 are we supposed to have a functioning political ecosystem if one side has no moral system or framework or principles, and it's just I'm going to say the most extreme extreme thing possible that moves me further and further in one direction? One of the things that I think actually is that there are almost no people that actually believe this stuff. 
I, I think you see the massive influence of, again, the lower upper class, coastal, urban, very specific, mostly white, liberal block on sites like Twitter and Insta. I mean, so there obviously that famous piece came out, I think, Wired, that found out that, what was it, 15% of Americans are on Twitter at all? And yeah, like, 20, 20, 20, um, what is it? I think it's 22% of Americans are on Twitter at all. Maybe. And yeah, and it's like a smaller percentage. 10% are responsible for something like 80%, 80 right. of the viral tweets. Yeah. So you've got, let's say, 2.2, 2.3% of the population that's driving this discourse. And a lot of it, it's very disproportionately, first of all, until pretty recently, it was also very disproportionately annoying alt-right. Uh, Pepe's yeah. and Groypers and so on. They cut out some of them. But they haven't cut out their opponents. So, I mean, extremely SJW heavy, uh, a lot of, a lot of TRAs, a lot of trans rights activists, so on. A lot of positions that almost don't exist in mainstream America. And I, I think it's important to keep that distinction up. Like these people influence the discourse that goes into kind of yeah, mid-level journalism. Like if you're on Twitter and you have more than 10,000 followers, you're very likely to also contribute articles from time to time to say Jezebel or something like that. No particular hate for them. So you have a lot of this scene in like urban youth life and it seems like it's very prevalent. But if you ask people like, should immigrants be able to read or something like that? Like you'd see a massive, massive yes versus no in America. Let's say you've got a hundred cities with a hundred people in each city. Hmm. In each city is one socialist. Whenever there's election, whenever there is an election, the socialist votes socialist, and it accounts for 1% of the vote, and everyone ignores it. Then along comes the internet. Yep. And now you have a city-sized socialist community online because all the one socialist from each of the 100 cities now forms a massive community on Twitter where it seems like, wow, look at all of these poli these people. It's like the size of New York. It's the size of a city. And then you're like, oh, it's just one person in their bedroom in these different places. The problem is it really does have an impact. Look at these, these social, these, these, uh, big brands will get harassed by this community and then they'll issue a public statement on TV to tens of millions of people about how they now agree with this fringe belief and they apologize for not seeing it sooner. And the problem is it is true. Very few people use Twitter, but Twitter does have influence hilariously. It's stupid and regular people don't speak up. So you'll be ruled by that 2%. Well, unless we start speaking up. I mean, and what you see, like, I mean, your platform obviously is on par. Like, I looked at the ratings for most of the major um, primetime cable news shows on MSNBC and CNN the other day. I actually posted this to Twitter. And most of them get less engagement than I do on Twitter. Um, I think Don Lemon uh, was at 570,000 engagements either per day or per week. It must be per day. It must be. But, I mean, and scrolling up all the way up to Tucker Carlson was like 3 million a day. But the simple reality is that most of the TimCast interviews I've looked at have a million, a million and a half views. I think that when people start talking and saying things that are obviously true, that kind of break the gaslight, you'll find that the other 98% of people want to listen to them. And that's why there's there's this fanatical attempt to do two things. One is to label people in the most ridiculous way possible, like Joe Rogan or Jimmy Dore, as Nazis. <laughs> and in reality, these are cats that are all across the spectrum. Matt, Ta Matt Taibbi and I actually, one of the first times I was on Twitter, we were just arguing about BS for a while because he's, I don't even know if he remembers, but he's significantly on the left. Yeah, absolutely. Glenn, Glenn Greenwald, yeah, they're great journalists, but I mean, it's Barry Weiss, who is the editor of the New York Times like a week ago. 
I mean, so, but the, the first argument is like, Barry Weiss, Glenn Greenwald, what the hell do they know about journalism? Just a bunch of alt-right Nazis. It's this attempt to kind of just shuffle foot off the stage and pretend nothing happened. But the second and more troubling aspect of this is the attempt by conventional media to take the actual internet kids off of social media and replace them with kind of triple A versions of conventional media shows. That's very definitely something happening. When I look at YouTube, you see suggestions from CNN on the sidebars. Right. So this is what I was going to bring up. I can, I can pull up the, the, the ratings Thursday for all these different cable channels. And in the key demographic, 25 to 54, CNN loses easily to Timcast IRL. However, when you take into account all of their, their viewers, you've got, you know, uh, 8 p.m., uh, Anderson Cooper with 774,000. You've got Cuomo with 861,000. Don Lemon with 716,000. And so they're doing really well among a lot older people, which says a lot about what will happen with shows like this moving forward. Perhaps people will age out and, yes. you know, then CNN will become less and less relevant and more people watch shows like this. But the one thing you need to understand is that I can sit here and say, look how great this show is. Look how many viewers we get because their TV ratings are in the gutter. And then YouTube puts CNN on the front page. They put MSNBC on the front page and CNN gets something like 150 million views per month relative to our 20. So we may be beating them on TV, but YouTube is mandating viewership of their trash. And it's funny when you see their videos, all thumbs down. Everybody hates it. It doesn't work for the platform. Nobody like, no, it's, it's, it doesn't work for what YouTube is. You can't put TV on YouTube and think it'll work. Yeah, no, I, but I, I think that this is kind of like the old Russian division between Pravda and Samizdat. I mean, so there are 150 million views of CNN, perhaps on a daily basis, if you're counting YouTube's fronts piece, and I'm sure perhaps airport lounges and so on. But how many of those people are actually watching CNN and absorbing political content from them and taking it seriously? I, I, I got, I'll stop real quick. Sorry. Uh-huh. Uh, 98 million. So CNN's down substantially. That's like half from where they were a few months ago. Uh, okay. All right. Well, and that, that's a monthly basis figure. Yeah, 98 million uh, views for the CNN YouTube in the past month. Not to mention, CNN does have network channels as well. So all the peripheral YouTube channels, you know, they get their views as well. They gain 100,000 subscribers per month. I mean, we we get like 10,000. My Twitter and uh, YouTube engagement last month, it was, if I recall correctly, 34 million. That was mostly due to RTs from larger accounts. But I mean... I I don't mean to mock at all. I'm, I'm loving the undisclosed location. Great group of guys to talk to. But I mean... We're both kind of guys with computers. So, I mean, when you say, like, okay, well, CNN is 10% you know, 10% in the lead over me and 80% in the lead over you, Riley, like, both of us can just go home and make another video on our laptops. Like, they're spending millions of dollars to produce this crap that barely right. beats out. And there's so many other people in that in that space. I mean, from Ben Shapiro to Claire Lehman or Brett Weinstein on the other side of that to <laughs> – but um. Uh, reaction from Lids to one of those. But I mean, to obviously Joe Rogan, you know, Adam Carolla. I mean, that all, these, all these people aren't the same. Larry Elder on kind of the black right. But many of these content producers are outpacing the major shows on network news. And all you have to do is go upstairs and talk into your computer. I mean, one of my most watched videos, although again, my mine in general aren't at that uh, alone, aren't at that million hit range. It was like me talking to my phone. I mean, so anyone now can become, given any reasonable amount of training and honor, but can become a journalistic resource. So I, that's what the mass media is terrified of. Last last comment here, they're not taking, quote-unquote, conservatives offline, because you're, you and Jimmy Dore and so on aren't conservatives in the first place. They're taking threats offline. Right. 
So, like, the one time I'm center-right personally, but I tried to look at this honestly once, and, like, that month, the majority of the people deplatformed, like Chapo Trap House, You Owe Blacks Trillions, like the Funny Reparations page, Cop Block, one of the oldest Libertarian Party accounts. That's on, on YouTube or what? This was, I believe, on Twitter. It was on Twitter, Reddit, and in most cases, yeah. YouTube. That's yeah. when they took Chapo Trap off Reddit. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, like, Chapo Trap House is, to say the least, not a conservative site. Right, um, right, right. But it, it was white. becoming a threat to the media. The dirtbag left brand and the dirtbag left hoodies and the jokes and there's, you know, comments about the CIA probably didn't help out. So they ain't there anymore. But it, <laughs> it's not just a conservative liberal thing. It's a threats thing. Yeah, I mean, the, the Chapo still still exists. They're the number two uh, uh, most subscribed to uh, uh, pa pa uh, Patreon account. Great, I'm glad to hear so, that. So, yeah, so they're 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 still you know prominent. I don't know what they're. It's interesting. There's like a a, a weird, the, the the podcast ecosystem. It's it's hard to actually track. It's very different from TV. With TV, we look at the ratings. We know what's going on. With podcasting, I mean, our biggest platform is YouTube. We get a decent amount. We, we get the 80, 70, 70 or eighty percent of our, our podcast views or listens or whatever on YouTube, and then we do decently well on uh, on iTunes and Spotify. I think we are a top two fifty on iTunes. Uh, there was a period where like my main show was actually really high up because I was working every single day. We, we took that down, but you can't actually track who's successful. Like I don't, I don't even know where Chapu Trap House registers on this. I know they have a lot of diehard fans, but they might have 36,000 people who are paying to get their special uh, content, but that might be the, everyone who watches their show, mm. or it could be substantially more. I, I don't know. When you look at TV, nobody pays for that for the most part. I mean, some people might pay for a cable package, but CNN is, a, is effectively given to you like they make you watch it you know what i mean like you mentioned airports yeah, it's they, state media it's the literally <laughs> the media program that runs in the airports that are funded by branches they canceled of the that they canceled that the cnn airport is gone 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 but probably still hotel lobbies i guess are we gonna see like fox airport it would actually be really <laughs> funny to see newsmax airport yeah I yeah mean, they should go for it not really any more or less reliable than msnbc but like i'd, I'd like i'd like to see it for a couple months try it out that's my favorite thing about the media. When Let me tell like, you about Biden. <laughs> Walk in, it's this guy screaming. I love it when they're like, OAN is, is a conspiracy site. And it's like, bro, did you, do you watch your own channel? Like, have you seen the things you've said about Russia? Nah, these people, uh, they're, 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 they're something special. Actually, I want to, I want to pull this up. I want to pull up, uh, something. No, not this one. Where's the other one? Okay. We're going to pull up this one. We're going to start with this story here. I got, I got, I got to do this. Cool. I got a special, uh, uh, disdain for so big tech social media. So this is something that's been going viral for a while. There is a link to the cdc.gov. All right. It is the CDC's website. If you post this link, Facebook will flag it as fake news. Hmm. Fa Facebook, because they've given the ability to third party fact checkers who are crackpot wingnut conspiracy theorists. Yep have labeled the CDC as fake news. They Here it is. It. Here it is. Right. Look at this. This is a post from Facebook that I posted. The, the, the website is cdc.gov slash ccells dls locs 2021-7-21-2022 lab alert changes cdc rt-pcr SARS-CoV-2 testing 1.html. There you go. Now there's some other stuff in there if you want to actually get the link. The link is just them saying they're encouraging uh, uh, sites to update their PCR tests to uh, better tests. A third-party fact-checker flagged it as fake news. And so a bunch of people have done this. And it shows you the extent to which the media is broken. Who in their right mind was given the authority to flag the CDC as fake news? I, I What am I supposed to say on YouTube? Oh, YouTube, don't ban me. I don't know. Facebook flagged me. That's This, this is what happens 
when you have a crackpot broken media that people just keep saying, I trust the science, I believe the media. They just believe whatever they're told until it just goes full psycho. Now we're, now we're in this really crazy space where the news is changing so rapidly because there's so much contradictory information coming up and coexisting at the same time hmm. that people are writing contradictory stories at the same time. So uh, the, the example I gave the other day, let's say uh, Fauci comes out and says, you got to wear two masks. And the next day he says, no, I didn't mean it. You don't got to wear two masks. That, that information changes com- in the viral environment have prompted a very necessary revision of policy by the leaders at the CDC. Well, no. So here, here's what happens with these two nearly concurrent contradictory state contradictory statements. MSNBC might see the statement. You got to wear two masks. An hour later, Fauci says, no, no, I was mistaken. I mean, cause the real story is like a day later. But let's say an hour later, he says, no, Fox News then publishes Fauci says not n- not to wear two masks. MSNBC and Fox could publish those stories at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. And then the leftist will see MSNBC, the, the conservative will see Fox News, and then they'll both be at a bar and be like, why are you wearing two masks? Why aren't you wearing two masks? My story says, my story says, yep. information overload. It's too quick and people can't figure out what's the latest and newest information. Now it's come to the White House where we have the story from the New York Times. Check this out. The New York Times says, breaking news, the Delta variant is as contagious as chickenpox and may be spread by vaccinated people as easily as the unvaccinated, an internal CDC report said. But then we get this guy, Ben Wakana, in all caps, vaccinated people do not transmit the virus at the same rate as unvaccinated people. And if you fail to include that context, you're doing it wrong. And then people are like, who do I trust? The government or the New York Times? Well, now someone could write an article uh, citing Ben saying, the, the claim is not true. Then someone could write something claiming the New York Times. This this is true. And now we have political factions choosing which one they think makes more sense instead of knowing who to trust. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely correct. Um, the one piece of advice I will give to an intelligent young audience would be go check for yourself. I mean, you can go to the CDC website and see what their data actually is and whether the Times reported on it honestly. Nobody, for a lot, nobody does that. Yeah, everybody should. For a lot of yeah. the things I report, like... The national crime rate, for example, where there's this huge argument, which I've never understood, but a big back and forth on the Internet between like black guys, working class white guys, you know, Arab guys who might be suspected of terrorism, so on. Like, who commits the most crime? You, you can find out. Like, the government publishes the crime stats every year. Uh, well, if you if you tweet those crime stats, you'll be banned. Not really, actually. I've, I've done it a bunch of times. It's not something I've ever seen flagged anywhere. Oh, yeah. Um, there was uh, – who was it? Was it Tommy Robinson, I think, in the U.K.? Oh, okay. That, that makes sense. They don't have any rights. Well, yeah, but this is Twitter banning him. Twitter banned Tommy Robinson. I believe it was Tommy Robinson and, and uh, Majid Nawaz, who is like not a fan of Tommy, defended him saying he published factual data from, you know, crime statistics. Twitter does not care. It's I've, a disparaging comment. I've seen that happen once or twice. I mean, for example, Andy No pointed out at one point that there was no epidemic of violence against uh, transgender women. Um, of color. Yeah, the... The rate of violence against transgender people, I actually wrote an article about this for Quill at once, because one, if there actually is a hate crime epidemic, you want to stop it. But two, I strongly suspected that most shooting or stabbing victims would be young, working class men, about 50% people of color, because we know that, because that's the crime data. But anyway, so I looked at this and actually found the rate of violence against transgender women is lower than the rate of violence against just men along with a bunch of other groups, blacks, poor whites, so on down the line. But Andy said that. I think he cited the article, and he said, and if you're a trans woman of color, the person most likely to kill you is black. 
it's not going to be a white supremacist. It's going to be a jilted lover or something like that. And he was banned for a couple of days. Right. But those are the only two cases I've ever they, seen. I mean, in general, if you cite the BJS crime report, like in academic Twitter, that it's extremely widely known that men have a higher crime rate than women. Uh, African-Americans, at least before you adjust for, you know, age and social class, have a higher when, crime rate. When, so Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. When you tweet the racial component, tons of people get banned for this all the well, time. Well, it's the way you frame it. If, if a bunch of, like in the past, if you saw that it's 60% of the crimes were committed by black men, it doesn't mean that you're more likely to have that happen in the future, just because that was the rate of the past doesn't mean that that's the likelihood of the future. So that I could see could be looked at as like he phrased it wrong. Let, let, he let, incited. Let's, let's, right, right, right. But I, I, it's just in, I get it. I don't want to have a semantic argument um, in terms of what's going on with the, the censorship. Mm-hmm. A better example is Dave Rubin. Did you see what Ian what happened yesterday? With Dave? Yeah, I got uh, two days ago. And what did what did Dave banned, say? Right from Twitter. No idea, honestly. So this is a story from he got a suspension from Twitter. He got suspended. Yes. So th- uh, yeah, not to interrupt you, but I think this is more on topic. It's uh, all on topic. Dave tweeted that, in his opinion, we the vaccines aren't doing what they were promised, and now they're talking about booster shots. Okay. They are talking about booster shots. Uh, Dave then, when he came back, he cited the source, and then there's a story from the Washington Post where they say uh, uh, the viral load among people who are uh, vaccinated. It's comparable to those who aren't. Mm. And that was surprising to people, essentially confirming what Dave said. He got suspended on Twitter for saying. And and one of the problems is this is why I showed this post from I want to pull this up again from Facebook where they flagged the CDC as fake news. The reason the CDC got flagged as fake news is because the data changes so rapidly. And so this story comes out and then people start citing it. And then some other people cite it in probably incorrect ways. And so they, they say, all right, this link is now off oh. limits. It, the, the, but you know what's crazy? Yeah. The video of Fauci saying not to wear masks from last March, 20, from, from March of 2020, still up. Hmm. Yeah, I think – so actually I think that there's a broader problem here that's being illustrated. So when I say, you know, tons of academics cite this and there's no there's no risk of removal, and you say, well, I know a bunch of people, some academics, some pundits that have been removed. A bigger issue is the total unreliable unreliability and BS nature of all of these social media policies. What accounts for the difference? Probably which single guy at the director level at highest was looking at that post from Riley or Poole or Rubin or whatever at that day. Uh, uh, because uh, uh, when people say things like Taiwan it's is not, it's not a director. Well, it's a junior staffer then. No, no, I, these are, these are outsourced to, uh, um, uh, like tracking farms in India. And oh, okay. Yeah. That's these, these are people who sometimes don't even speak English. I'm not, I'm not yeah, a stronger make, version of the I've, same argument. Yeah. That's, that's, I've, I've actually talked with people who, uh, have done this work with, with Google and, 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 and Facebook and things like that. And they say that there will be someone, you know, in say India who's going through the rules and trying to figure out what's bannable and what isn't. And that's why they have so many mistakes. Yeah. No, I, I've, I've had actually this same conversation. I'm, I'm fully prepared to accept that as true, by the yeah. way. I've just an enhancement of the same thing. When I started teaching CyberSec back in like 2016, 17, we had people that were execs in the tech world 
talk to either me or the students to at least some extent. And their comment then was it's generally like post-college junior staffer types. If something is really controversial, like a discussion of child pornography, so the manager in the room might come take a look at it. But one of the things with like these right now. Uh, like you, you just said it, so now uh, someone at YouTube probably got a notification. Maybe I mean, uh, well, I, I think we're it's 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 true. They have a, a kiosk where they. Uh, so this is what uh, I'm not going to name which company does this or mm-hmm. did this, but there were more than one. They showed me this. The live streams are very dangerous for uh, any one of these companies because with a video that gets uploaded, algorithms can search them to make sure there's not specific kind of content within that video. Mm-hmm. So they check for language. You get demonetized. It might get instantly banned. With live streams, they never know what's coming next. So what a couple of companies have done is they have terminals showing hundreds of live streams at any one moment. And they have people watching them. flicker, yeah. And they look for key phrases to be said or words to be said. And then when they see it, they pull them over to the side, line them up, and then they get the boss to come in. And we've had our chat suspended before. One thing I do want to say about this, though, you have had some of these things happen because you're extremely well known in the Internet space. Big data is a lot stupider than most people think it is. I mean, when people say things like, if you're on a pirate site and you click on a file, they can figure out your IP address. I mean, my IP address is the Starbucks in Frankfurt, Kentucky, if hypothetically I would ever commit such an evil sin. Yeah, but your Mac address, too. No, but it's uh, that's generally Mac stops at the router. You use Tor. You use, you know, I mean, Mac stops at almost every router. The router is Starbucks. I mean, so it's actually very easy. We're both pretty familiar with computers. It's not hard to spoof this crap, I mean, at all. So... I, I actually, I don't think we're disagreeing here. One, I think big data is real. Like, obviously, there are probably, first of all, there are probably multi-flagged personalities like Nero back in the day on Twitter that these boys would love to take <laughs> down. So I'm pretty sure that, like, Poole, Rogan, maybe five or six others might be on a board with people that are at that higher level just looking for mistakes. Like, how did he, like, for example, I would be very careful to say transgender women during the show. That's actually what I would say during polite <laughs> conversation anyway. But, I mean, it's just if I were to say something else, who knows, you know. And we actually, as I have with all large-scale media, Tucker Carlson, have had we had this conversation before the show. But I don't think in the majority of cases big data is all that good. I mean, you have someone speaking their second language in Bajalapur looking at, what would it be per person, 35,000 accounts on a daily basis or something. Yep. So in general, there's you have a contradiction where there's a mass amount of all of the content we could describe. I mean, in, including actual accounts for jihadist groups all over social media. But there are also people that constantly get sanctioned and punished and so on. And it's it, the same way the cops know who the bad kids in town are or whatever. But the key point is that last sentence, nobody knows what the hell the rules mean. It's almost impossible to get in touch with these companies. Um, I actually yeah. once got so irritated with Twitter, I was trying to fix some problem with my account, that I asked on my Twitter, does anyone know, like, the actual address from their initial IPO, like, the emails and so on they had to list? It's a good way to get this stuff, by the way. Yeah. And I got it. Uh-huh. Um, so, I mean, but, and I, I was, a uh, I worked in that sales floor, trading floor space for a while, and we use these tricks all the time. But nobody knows who to talk to, nobody knows what the rules are, it's a problem. This is, we are, we are entering uh, a new kind of... What's the right word? Neo, it's neo-feudalistic in a sense. There's a noble class. There's the, the, the modern landed gentry. And that is to say a few things. We were just talking about, you know, you can't call YouTube. You can't call Twitter. You can't call Google. Okay. Uh, well, I can. 
mm-hmm. because uh, this is the way that the society is starting to function, that you have followers, you have notoriety, then all of a sudden you find out that people are calling you and you have email addresses and they're, they're here for you all of a sudden. You find out that if you get bad service on an airline and you've got 10,000 followers, well, you might get a response. Well, what's that? You got 100,000 followers? Oh, now you're flying first class and they're apologizing. You got a million followers and now you're on that global concierge list. Mm-hmm. This is where we're going. So for me, or actually for other people, I get I get messages from people and they say, "Hey, yo, Tim, I had a video get you know demonetized. Do you have any idea like what I can do to get it fixed?" And I'm like, honestly, I don't. You can try tweeting at you know Team YouTube. They try to get things sorted, and uh, fairly effective for a lot of people. Interestingly, social media is an easy way to connect. So now we know their handle and we can send them a message and they can see it. And some of these channels are moderately large. When I get demonetized, I hit up Google. I send an email right away and they say, sorry about that. No problem. We got you set. You got your sorted right away. Sometimes they go like, we're not giving you this one for this or that reason. When the Alex Jones episode got taken down. So here's, here's the first thing. I hit up Google and I said, are there any people that we have like that are outright no-nos for YouTube? Like you would ban us for simply having. He said, no. And I was like, so, you know, here are the people we, we would like to have on the show. And they're like, absolutely no problem. And then I said, okay. And then they take the episode down and I ask them why. And they say, we won't tell you. So I'm like, so I have no idea what to take it down. So it's not, not this every, is, this is what I'm talking about, by the way. Like, right. Not, not, but not, but I'm actually talking to them on the phone. I'm on the phone saying, yeah. you can't even tell me what we did. And they're like, we don't know because the people who chose this were higher up than we are. We are. So it's like, it's, it's, it's almost like this neo-feudalist thing where they, they are creating classes of people. The average person you can have your account maybe will ban you. A lot of the accounts that are getting banned and getting censored are small. And this is why you don't see it in the media. The left likes to say cancel culture isn't real because these celebrities still are rich or something. But what they don't realize is that 90% of those who got suspended and deleted for a political opinion were someone with 50 followers or 100 followers. And now they're IP banned. They can't get back on the service. And they're like, okay, whatever, I guess. So the lower, the, the, the lower class individuals in terms of the social hierarchy, the social credit score, whatever they're building, will have no access to Facebook, will have no one to message, will simply say, please. And they'll say, bugger, you know, uh, bug right. off. We don't care. And then the people who have prominence are are given ac- access. It's it's a combination of they'll look for you to make sure they're 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 you know they're worried about your social influence. But also, when it comes to Facebook, I know people mm-hmm. like I know people in the news industry, and they say, "Here's the email you need, Tim. Don't worry about it." Regular people don't have that. So now we're seeing this weird world where people are desperate to have followers because it makes them feel like they can finally get access to systems and be treated fairly. Yeah, I, I will say also when I mentioned coming from like the sales or trading floor space, there are a whole variety of platforms. I mean, back in the day, it was a Manta, Lead 411, so on. Instant Checkmate works well now where you can pull up the contacts for the executives at most companies, including some of the social companies. Like when we got genuinely irritated at Twitter, we started, I mean, I started doing that. Um, so I mean, you can look at IPO filings. You can look at who the listed executives online are. I mean, it's possible to contact. Uh, at one point, I called Mark Cuban during a job at the company Marcus Evans. Like all that stuff's easily available. Like you can, if you do get one number, you can call into the company and just sort of dial off. Seven's the mailroom. Yeah. You know, I had this number on a corporate reference for Jack Dorsey. Look, I, I don't have a lot of time to waste here. Can you tell me what his number is? Don't need to sell a secretary's fine. Whatever. And it works. Nine. Most of the people I've known that have a similar financial background haven't had a lot of issues with these companies. But of course, I mean, to some extent, this is just saying what you're saying. Like, yeah, you're a stockbroker for 10 years. You'd probably get in touch with them too. You know, I'll, again, there there are two levels here. One, it's generally not that hard to break the rules or the law and not get caught at the most basic level. Like if you're IP banned, I mean, which is a real thing, like you can just download Tor and your IP will be Fiji. 
if you have 50 followers on Twitter, it wouldn't be hard to get back on Twitter and be a troll, frankly. Um, but again, the question is, should you have to do that? I'd prefer to see, when we talk about politicians potentially regulating these brands or sparring back and forth with them, one thing that I would like to see is just a common sense demand that these rules be illustrated. What does this mean? What is hate speech? What do you mean you can't tell me who my prohibited guests are? This happens all the time. Well, there's no prohibited guests, but they won't tell me what was said that got the video flagged again. Now, we can only make assumptions about what we think was actually said. And so when I said to them, listen, we'll we'll make clips from the show and we'll remove whatever you said was against the rules. And they said, we won't tell you. And I'm like, well, <laughs> what do you want me to do? You got to keep in mind, they all have the ability to ban anyone at any time as per their terms. Every social media site has that in their terms. And, That's got to change. Uh, it's time for uh, some Will, uh, Will Chamberlain's got it. He's a smart fella. He knows. I, when, Dave, when Dave got suspended, he said Dave should go into a courtroom, get an injunction, get his account turned back right on. Turn right on. I think, I think you're going to see people starting to do that. It's the same thing as there was an entire um, genre of legal cases in the 80s and 90s, as you guys probably know, where people started talking about non-traditional property, like the right to receive welfare benefits if welfare happened to be legal in their state. And it's the same thing here. Like, do you have some right not to have what is what is Dave at three four million followers and your financial livelihood taken away on a whim? I'd be interested in seeing what a judge says about that. I mean, there there has to be some element of contracting there. I mean, his, has he entered into an advertising deal with YouTube or Twitter? Has he ever made them a dollar? Because then, I mean, you have what is it? Offer acceptance consideration. I mean, Dave Dave just launched a book, and they suspended him. I, I believe it was when his book around the same time his book is coming out. Okay. I'll say straight up, if this was the day his book was coming out, they suspended his account, that he should take the first hour of sales uh, as soon as he was able to promote on Twitter, calculate his losses based on the 12 hours, and then say those are the damages. Because he would have been able to say, hey, my my pre-order is available now. Here's my new book. Tweet. They suspended him, and he didn't violate any rules. They claimed he did. And and not only that, I think Dave should file a, a defamation suit because they claimed that he put out medical misinformation, but Dave was citing the Washington Post and I think it was Click Orlando. I'm not sure what the other site he meant. CNN. It was okay. CNN and Washington Post. And he's like, what did I, I – I posted these these articles. Like it was, it was a statement based on this. They claimed it was misinformation, in which case that's a false statement of fact. So he should at least try to sue. And the damages are that his new book is coming out and they're shutting down his, his means for promotion. This is, this is a platform where people pay to get access to share information. So if Dave has built up that access, which creates the content, which drives advertisement to the platform, they, I, I think it's time people start firing off these lawsuits saying, you can't do this. But they're allowed to ban anyone at any time. He, he signed that terms of service when he right, made an but, account. But what you don't understand is I'm arguing that that has to change and what? it changes with suing. So precedent would be set, for instance, Twitter defamed Dave Rubin. See, see, one of the problems they have is that they could have just said, no reason, we banned him for fun. And they may start. They Maybe didn't. they should. They've done it to other people. They've, they've, they've suspended people and put no reason at all. They just, it's just like, you've been suspended for blank. With Dave, it was misinformation. I, I believe it was, I, I, you know, I don't want to get sued either, but I believe it was misinformation. <laughs> I could be wrong. And uh, Dave could say that's just factually not true. Um, James O'Keefe is suing. Specifically because they claim... Uh, good, I'm not surprised by that. Right, he was... Uh, I mean, he's the the master of it. They said he was operating multiple accounts. So he said, that's fake. That's a, that's a lie. It's a false statement of fact, and I'm going to sue you. And, not, and that was a big mistake, because now he can go for discovery and get internal communications on what they've said about him and his, 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 his organization. So Dave should sue. 
Yeah, that the the one question, by the way, in terms of your point, I think it's a good one when you say, well, they they're saying that they can get rid of you for the legal language would be any reason or no reason at all. So even if you sue and you prove that that you were defamed, you might get some money damages, but they can still likely keep you off the site. I think the issue there is, is that what's called an unethical adhesion contract? Like, can you sign a deal with a company that is going to give you the chance to make tens of millions of dollars where they can take all of your money and all of your followers away at any time? I don't I mean, I law school was a while ago, but I would have some real questions about whether you can. I would have some real questions about now that these sites are growing into serious businesses, whether you can do some of this junior varsity crap, like for no reason given, remove someone from your platform permanently and take their entire follower account away. That sounds very questionable. I mean, that, yeah. that was, that's going back to like the early days of Facebook when people had a hundred friends. Not only that, but there's, there's, there's an expectation based on the rules they set. So, of course, they say you can be terminated for for any reason. We reserve that right. But there's still an expectation that these are the rules you have to follow. And so long as you follow them, you are within bounds of being on the platform. They've broke no rules. Yeah, but they don't. You don't need to break rules to get booted off those. They so, can just so, ban you at any moment. Right, right. So, so the issue is, is it an unfair contract? Definitely. Is, 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 are you are am I if I said to you, Ian, you can you can you can come here and, you know, do all this work. And then, uh, uh, you know, have a great opportunity. And so long as you don't say a naughty word, you're fine. And then one day after you've, you've been working here for a long time, I just kick you out the door. And you're like, but I didn't break any rules. And it doesn't matter. It's my house. Like a right, what is it, a right to work state? What I mean is it, it, there, there are certain contracts that are unenforceable, right? So uh, non-competes in many states. I don't know if you, you went to law school, you said? Yes, or, I did, yeah. Like non-competes are unenforceable and out of states, right? It's my understanding. Yeah, so the there are contractual terms that are generally not enforceable. Um, an open non-compete clause extending beyond a certain short period of time often is. I'd, I'd have to look at the case law. But the issue here, I think, would be more what's called an adhesion contract, where if you sign a contract with a player like your camera company when you when you look at the back of the box of a piece of tech equipment that in the terms and conditions go on for 16 printed out pages in a couple of situations i've seen and at the end you check your x and you submit if that contract were to include something like if this piece of equipment breaks you owe us a thousand dollars or something completely ridiculous that wouldn't be enforceable because it would be understood that that's nonsense that the person with more power put into the text of the deal like that would be just viewed as very unsympathetic and i think i don't know i actually think your point's a really good point but i i I think social media my actual reaction is come on bro it can't work that way like even with me at like forty thousand plus maybe like twenty thousand on different other platforms like that's i've been i've sold my books have made bestseller lists like it if you were just to say, okay, we're going to take these 60,000 people away and we're going to set up some kind of permanent ban so that you – I mean I could or you could easily. But the average citizen couldn't get back on the platform. That's just total BS. Like it, it's you having the power position in the contract doing something that's probably illegal. So like I couldn't sign a contract with – like Tim couldn't sign a contract that says if you want to work here and be, say, a video engineer, I get to punch you in the face twice a day because it would be a manipulative use of power position. I got a better example. I couldn't say, Ian, you can come work on the show, and to work on the show, you obviously have to be in the house, and I can evict you from the property without notice at any time. That's actually against the law, right? 
So when it comes, no, it literally is. It, you, it you, is because there's there's a there's a separate law that regulates eviction in every state. Not to jump in, I, that that's actually a solid point, and that that actually kind of gets to the point here. Like, are there other laws, for example, that protect protect against say undue deprivation of income? Is a claim you might be able to bring? Like, if a company just says, like any company could do this. Like, I just got a fairly new vehicle. Could Mercedes or BMW say something like, if you miss one payment on your car loan, or better yet, if you miss one maintenance trip for your vehicle, we take the vehicle back. Can you just say any kind of ridiculous thing in a contract when you're selling a product someone else really needs? And not, not Often, only, no. Not only that, but typically repossessions are forfeiture. So if you have a car and you don't pay your your, your loan payment for two months— they may say, we're going to move to repossess the car because you're delinquent. Typically, it's not usually two months. You can actually just tell the repo guy, it's my car. You can't take it. I'm challenging this as a civil dispute, and they can't take it. Yep. Well, a lot of people don't know that, so the repo guy shows up, and they go, okay. And the repo guy says, you got it. And that's, that's, that's the game they play. In fact, you can just call the police and say, I'm in a civil dispute. You can't take my property. And they'll say, that's right. You can't. So in this instance, I wonder if you know you're mentioned about undue deprivation of income. I think the eviction thing is, is an interesting point. There may be laws that people haven't, haven't, haven't looked at or realized that you're entering into an agreement that grants you some kind of access to a system. So it's, it's almost like at the very least, we created laws to protect tenants for a reason. And maybe we can view social media accounts as us as tenants on a platform. We are using it to run a business. Considering a lot of the economy is now digital, especially with the way YouTube does super chats and the way people run their business on these digital platforms, we are effectively tenants of these these platforms and we have a con- contractual agreement but they can evict us without notice immediately hey man when you have a business or a house you at least get 30 days and you can file a suit to argue why they can't do this to you now dave rubin can can be on this platform creating entertaining content and informative content that builds up an audience on the platform that makes them money providing a service to them and then without notice without due process they kick them off for a false reason and defame him in the process Imagine if your landlord came to your house and you, you, you had a pizza shop and they put up a big sign saying this pizza shop puts Dookie in their pizza and then w- got, called the cops and the cops Dookie. came and kicked you out. Well, we got, we got to remove defamation just for the argument's sake because they can remove you for no reason. So, and right, I so think I'm, that's I'm worse. Just, I'm saying specifically in the case of Dave Rubin, equate it to if Dave was running his business in a physical location, he'd have and legal they just, protection. One day they just evicted him without notice. One day Dave walks to his pizza mm-hmm. shop and he shows up and the building's empty and all of his stuff is out in the street soaking wet in the rain or they would keep the stuff i mean and the stuff said, you make at that in their job is youtube's content i mean as far as i right? know yep the they, videos they, they can this is youtube's video or, or, right or, now right or better better yet better yet dave walks one day to his pizza place to open up but you know he's got to get there at 9 a.m because they open up for the early lunch and all of his equipment has been crushed and mutilated and destroyed and it, he'll, it's a permanent destruction of everything he's built and everything of value because Twitter followers and accounts do have a market value. It's been calculated by companies. Companies pay money for the equivalent of, of reach. And they say to him, the lease said we can do whatever we want. We have laws saying you can't do that for obvious reasons because this would it's disruptive to the economy. As we're moving into a digital economy, how can we have that people build their business on YouTube? Monkey Jones deserves a shout out whenever this happens. Monkey broke no rules. Monkey made 
at Monkey Jones had a channel. He had 300 something thousand subscribers. It was his business. It was his life. He dedicated years to building that business and he broke no rules. He was given no warning and everything was destroyed overnight. At the very least, I understand the argument. They say in their contract they can do it. Well, certainly there should be a law saying they can't well, because it's un, it's, it's undue deprivation and it's eviction I without think notice. We need a monkey broke no rules shirt. That's a great phrase. Monkey broke no rules. He broke. No I don't rules. know anything about this guy though. He, this is the first time. Yeah, I'm googling him right now. He made a lot of really edgy content, and uh, he, he pushed the envelope in a way. But it was not much. He didn't break the rules. Yeah. Those he, people like, are tough as a as an admin. Those people are tough to deal with when they right. when they get around the rules. That's why we put in clauses at mines anyway. We can remove anything at any time because his, people his, would be so snaky with with the rules to get the most disgusting stuff in front of people in front of kids it's crazy so i I will say that it's it's arguable that the content he made was distasteful to a lot of people but how about they just say hey guy this one video you made we're going to take it down but then he did it over and over no they didn't do that they banned him without even giving a single strike one day all of a sudden his channel was just gone and they banned his second channel which was like anime reviews or something Mm. it was brutal it was brutal i understand the strike system I understand the warning system. And if you see all three plus strikes at once, you ban the account upright because Instantly. they got three strikes. Isn't all this guy back on a bunch of edge social media, Simeon Jimmy, and doing better? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, probably. Yeah, but 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 Monkey it, Jones, aka Simeon Jimmy. Right. The first <laughs> hit is his Wicked Tubia fandom. There, people are loving this guy. From He's base to erased, my story is Monkey Jones. Monkey Jones. No rules. IMDb. So he had. Uh, if Kong I, loses, I'm going to let's say end it all. Okay, yeah, I, I see yeah, the yeah. issues here. A I'm edgy. Fi- finally leaking my all of my DMs. Okay. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So he, he 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 was making edgy content about an individual I'm not going to name who's a despicable individual, and it didn't break any of their specified rules, and they didn't even just like how about this? Here's an email. Hey, um, look, we understand. You know, this is the content you produce. Here are the terms we set forward. We're asking you right now. Don't do these things, otherwise we'll have to ban you. And he would have said yes. The same thing with with uh, with Carl Benjamin. I said this when Patreon banned him. I was like, Patreon uh, Patreon banned uh, Carl without warning overnight because of something he said on a, on a live stream like a year prior. And if they had just gone to him and said, "Hey, we saw that you were on a stream and you said these things, it causes problems for us because we're getting a lot of bad press. We'd appreciate it if you would, if you wouldn't do this." Carl would have been like, "All right." I don't want to lose my Patreon, so, you know, no problem. But they didn't. They just nuke his income instantly. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What do you think about small websites? Like if you started a website that people could sign into and it had like 500 users that, that you would retain the right to ban anyone at any time. People who are not using the platform to run a business. Or that, you don't know why, but it's so, like so, a small social media all right, site. So, so, so this is the difference between Twitter being a convention center that's con- contracting you to set up a kiosk and a pizza place having a, a chair where someone could yeah, sit down to enjoy like your that, pizza. Yeah. So if I have a website with users and I do, hey, go to TimCast.com, become a member. That's more akin to like me having a pizza shop and I come in the morning, I open the door and someone comes and sits down in the diner in the, in the dining room section. So yeah, I can throw them out because 
we don't have a contractual agreement other than it's a public accommodation for them to come. Now, to be fair, there is still a, 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 for websites where you pay membership, there is a bit of an agreement. Like you'd have to actually have a civil dispute over the currency if someone was paying to be a member and then you kicked them out when they were still active members. So if you're like a country club, you can get into a dispute. If someone's like, I pay to be here and they throw them out anyway and they say, well, you broke the rules. You can still get, still get into those conflicts. But I'll, I'll say Twitter's more like McCormick Place. You know McCormick Place, right? Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. The massive Chicago Convention Center. Oh, yeah. It's it's public, right? That's why I'm I'm pretty sure it's public. Is that the merchandise right. market? Yeah. Well, anyone anyone can book that entire uh, area. I mean, if you want to hold an event there, massive, it's giant. Yeah. Mass. What is it, like a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand square feet or something? Yeah. It's the biggest biggest of its kind in the Midwest. I think there's yeah. an equivalent in New York, maybe. It's yeah. it's amazing. Is it mer- how massive. merchandise mart? No, no, no. no McCormick oh, McCormick Place. Place yeah, it's on the it's on the lake. There's actually two. When you go in a tunnel, you can go. Wow. But uh, they they do a bunch of events there and car shows. If they said you can come in. And set up your, biz, your 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 kiosk here to display your product during this big convention, and then you go in, and then this generates ticket sales for the greater event, or uh, you, you pay, you know, or something, or even if they let you in, in for free, you're spending time, energy, and money to be there. For them to just come and just tear down and destroy what you've set up, it costs you money. Dave's account it costs him money to operate. I understand it's not as much as like running an actual brick and mortar shop. But a lot of people, their Twitter accounts are, are based on labor they actually do. There have been people, journalists, who have been banned, and they actually go on the ground and they film things. There have been activist accounts that have paid to go and, and go on the ground and live stream and film, and they've been banned for this. So these are people who invested hard currency to be on a platform who are banned for no reason. There were Occupy Wall Street activists, people who do not like me, who I defended. They were banned and they broke no rules. We, we, we can't operate a system like this. The problem is the Democrats will absolutely never never push forward a law like this because they're ideologically uh, in a strong position with their ideologues controlling these things and Republicans won't do it because Republicans are worthless morons. I'm very like laissez-faire about this kind of stuff. I don't like mm-hmm. the government imposing laws under corporations about how they have to run their Ooh. business, but I'm also very um, against monopolies and I think they've kind of monopolized the social media. I wonder what you think about this idea that once a social network gets large enough, we free their software code via law. You know, we break up the monopoly of their code. So other people can spin up like another YouTube that can co-interoperate with other YouTubes. So you can subscribe to YouTube on their main users on the main account, but you can create your own terms of service on your site. So it will create a marketplace yeah. of ideas for terms of service. Basically, it'll it'll create the the market will be not who has the best technology it'll be who has the best terms but ian that's like saying if the city comes and destroys your your business with a with a wrecking ball you can just go and build another building somewhere else can you it's aff- very different can you afford than physical property no can you afford it's, it's, it do doesn't it? cost anything i mean it, it doesn't does. really cost you don't have to build things it, it, so just to, to like chip it because i mean you guys are both making excellent points but in terms of what you said i i think the solution there is probably a little off in terms of we're going to free the source code so anyone can know how to, for example, build these kind of sites. I mean, I think most of the table is competent enough with tech to at least retain someone to do that. I mean, you had Parler, for example. Yeah, but it's nowhere near as effective as Facebook. If you look at their site functionality, they have like Marketplace. They have like dating sites. They have an amazing messenger app. I would say that Parler. algorithms. Yeah, but I mean, Parler's direct competitor was Twitter. I'd say Parler is about 90% as good, and they were a lot freer. I mean, Twitter only has one like or respond function still to this date on tweets. You can't edit tweets. The issue with Parler wasn't that their tech code was a little bit worse. It was that they were destroyed 
by corporate monopolists. <laughs> I mean, after they were falsely accused of being responsible for the the Capitol rioting, and, and in it fact, was lies we, from the media. Yeah, all lies. We, we now know, yeah, we now know that explicitly. That was coordinated primarily through Facebook, which is a more boomer piece of tech in the first place. I'm not surprised by that at all. But I mean, Parler was immediately the scapegoat. Like, it can't be the big two. It can't be the big two. I, I think some messaging went out. And so, I mean, you saw this incredible stuff like, what is it? Amazon Online, whatever they're. AWS, yeah. Yeah, AWS. Web, Amazon web, web Services. Amazon Web Services and servers, yeah. But I mean, their actual ability to run a website at the basic level of working with the server, working with the provider at the top level was taken away. I mean, they they were taken off the app stores, and it turns out there are only two or three of those, two, in fact. So, I mean, that's what destroyed Parler. And I think that that gets back to a, a bigger issue here, which is I, I totally respect your point. I, I'm very libertarian on a lot of issues. When you say, I don't like the government interfering with big tech, sure. The issue comes up when you're dealing with businesses that are nearly as powerful as the government. I mean, and th- this is true even outside of tech. If you ask someone whether they wanted to be the CEO of Disney or the governor of Montana, no power-seeking person would say, I would want to be the governor of Montana. These Fortune 500 companies are extraordinarily powerful players. And when you get into tech, when you get into the literal control of speech, I mean, you see that Facebook, Twitter, these kind of Google have more control over speech, what we see and now what we can say, than really anyone else in the game. Uh, certainly they have more influence than most state-level governments in the USA. So kind of getting to the point, I mean, like, if we say we don't want the government to regulate the tech boys, and there are only four or five people that are actually in charge of these tech companies, and they're racing each other to Mars and home-built rockets, these guys are not going to just decide to regulate their business. The state, at some level, I I like legislation to be as simple as possible, but for the state to come in and say... Due to the fact that this probably violates other well-known laws against, for example, adhesion, you can't simply terminate accounts for any reason or no reason at all, just as you can't fire people because of their race, for example. There are caveats like this all throughout the law. Uh, I, I wouldn't have a problem with that. I think for right now, though, legally, you might be correct. It's, it's up in the air between us. It's position the ball's probably somewhere that, between that, what we're saying. Can you do that? I think his point was just you shouldn't be able to. My, if my, people are going to pressure Congress, that's the thing. Right. My argument is that we need to make laws to enforce this. We need to make laws to definitively state it. However, there's also a path towards filing lawsuits and making the correct arguments. So one of the problems is I hear from conservatives all the time that you can't sue for X, you can't sue for Y. And I'm like, you can, you just need to make a good argument and then get it before a judge and then see if they agree with you. Because like the reality is I've seen judges have really awful rulings. I've seen judges have rulings where like all of legal Twitter was like, what was he thinking this ruling? But the judge said it. So here's what you do. There's got to be, I've seen some lawsuits pertaining to like defamation and bannings. And I'm like, what were these lawyers thinking? These lawyers don't know anything about the platform, and they don't know how to make an argument to a judge about this. This is the issue. Uh, I don't want to say something as simple as boomers don't get tech, but I I assume all of you – I assume you guys, given interest range, watched the set of hearings on the internet probably four or five years back where people were saying things like it's a series of tubes. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, you got that information packed into them pipes there. You know, so like – The cloud. I'll tell you my favorite okay. thing I've ever heard. When I was Tell working in live streaming, I was doing, developing mobile, app, mobile apps, and I was at a conference with a bunch of like well-off individuals, and I was talking about how we're trying to build an app where we can do these, these photos. You know, we do live streaming, and the woman goes, the cloud. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, yes. And she goes, the cloud. And I was like, sure, what about it? And she goes, why don't you use the cloud? 
And I was like, I'm, I'm not sure I understand what you mean. She's like, <laughs> use the cloud. It's like, wh- wh- have you considered that? And I'm like, are you saying that we should have servers? <laughs> like, do you, uh, um, do you know what the cloud means? <laughs> she didn't. Something might be buzz. hosted remotely. I mean, it's a, it, it, new, it, it, novel it, stuff. We're going to have a data center. I'm like, what? <laughs> they had, n- she had no idea. What, um, and, and she thought she was had this profound idea about what the cloud. I'm like, the cloud isn't a new thing. It's a it's like a buzz term. It's like a branding word. We're going to build. It just means like hosting your site like at a data center. We're going to build gaseous servers that are like you spray chemicals into the air and that's going to host your data and then you'll fire lasers through it to access the data and, <laughs> and it'll actually be cloud crystal. data be- because lasers can solidify gas you can then pack that data into the tubes and you can get it to the internet to mars and back yeah, yeah. it's really it's good stuff i mean but yeah this this is all funny but actually this ties into something that we really do look at in political science which is the extremely advanced age being polite for the medium of politicians so, like, when people are talking about a situation like the 78-year-old Joe Biden, if I have that correct, run against, like, the 74-year-old Trump, and people are saying things like, Trump is five years younger, he's much more <laughs> vigorous, he's ready to go. Hey, he was spry, that's true. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm I'm pretty sure that if you were running for president in the United States, there are people, you know, following you around, spritzing you with virgin blood and <laughs> grinding up five Adderall well, into your banana smoothie, hypothetically. <laughs> but, I mean, like, so... The, the my only comment with this is the issue with a lot of this is that the typical what is circuit court level maybe district court level federal judge doesn't know a whole hell of a lot about the complexities of the internet so people tend to resort to heuristics in times like that like yep i, I don't like messing with the man's private business but the reality is that if we want to prevent something like there's no reason twitter couldn't shut down the republican party oh they could like they right? they took yeah, they an can active, ban anyone they want they took an active sitting president of the United States. People forget how crazy this is because we're focusing so much on the media, which leans 93% left or left and left leaning moderates focus on like one six immediately following what was a embarrassing graphic series of incidents. Social media worked together to ban the sitting president from every major social media platform. He's not on Facebook. He's not on Twitter. I think YouTube may have restored some content, but I mean like, I was actually talking to a female friend of mine, and she was like, I was at, what's the expensive bike, Peloton? Mm-hmm. I was at the Peloton gym, and you can't search Trump on Peloton. Like, if you're messaging the other women in the gym, there are words you can't use, like MAGA, you know, CAG. I'm not going to get into wow. some of the other stuff about the election, but you can't refer to Trump on Twitter and, like, the Ivanka and Melania accounts on Peloton. I have not verified this myself, but we're gone. Like, the, these aren't things you can see on the social portion of Peloton. I assume that's true, but I mean, I know it's true for Pinterest, for example. The man vanished. He was non-personed. And anyone can be non-personed in this fashion. There's nothing to prevent a conservative billionaire, assuming they're already in this field, from taking down the Democrats or certainly the Greens. And there's nothing to prevent the more prevalent leftist tech bros from saying the Republican Party is responsible for three incidents of vaguely defined hate speech. They're gone. The question is whether they should be able to do that. And I think the consensus here, we're having an interesting moral and almost semantic debate, but I think the consensus kind of has to be no. Well, my question, though, is how would you let the government dictate what corporations have to make their terms of service? Like, would you let the government write the terms of service? Oh, hell no, because they don't know what they're doing. Actually, I think that, that – sorry to it all, but finish, please. I don't, oh, don't want to bust in there. And then the, I guess if you, you answered that, but the follow-up would be like, at what level do you command that a social network is allowed to ban people and that has to stop banning people for what? what? And how do you define what – 
hate speech means. How does a corporation? Don't, just crime. I wouldn't get into any of that, actually. I think, and I think Tim, you and I might be on the same page just quickly from my end. One, I think law works best when it's extremely short and clear. So I would simply say that adhesion contracts are illegal in the context of social media. Boom, solved 70% of it. And then I would say, like, for example, actually, kind of, I teach a con law class at KSU, and there already are exceptions to the rule of free speech. You guys might correct me if I miss one, but I mean, there's obviously pornography involving inappropriately young people or non-human subjects, you know, keeping it uh, virtuous for social media. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, no, uh, no sheep or boys. I mean, that's an exception generally, although we're, for whatever reason, relaxing on sheep here in the USA. Um, but no open fraud, no lies for more than $500 or whatever it is state by state ever. No libel, no slander. That's actually your point about. Well, that's, that's civil tort, right? Yeah, that, that's civil tort, but okay, yeah. Not criminally banned, but still enforced. I think it would be yeah. reasonable to put that level of civil yeah. tort in a, we're talking about the same sort of thing. And then, uh, direct incitement to serious violence. Those, those would be the exceptions to free speech, three criminal, one civil. I would have no problem with saying, Social media can block that content, but nothing else. Well, what about spam? I mean, that. How do you no, define block spam? exactly? How do you define it? You just—that's what you block people you don't like. Yeah, th- yeah, but it, it can destroy network. You can destroy networks if you keep spamming. A them. DDoS attack is different from just spam. But you can still destroy networks. And like, and you, and you can make the, an argument about if something's disorderly conduct, like, harassment, or assault. Actually, like, a DDoS attack would be illegal in the majority of U.S. states, right? right? Like, that's getting into the actual sort of hacking. Hacking is a term I hate, but it's getting into that space like cyber, cyber war. Attack. Yeah, cyber attack. If somebody keeps posting a same message, it would be akin to if someone kept mailing you a letter every single day. Yeah. You'd go to your postal carrier and say, stop delivering these to me, throw them in the trash. But then They'd a new say, account, okay. and then you get a bunch of accounts that You're, do you, it. And then, then, if they can't preemptively ban those... Then you have harassment. Harassment. And yeah, so then like, if harassment is actually no, a law. If one person's spamming you and then they spam Will and they spam me and they spam Lydia, we all block them. They keep spamming new people. That's yeah, when Ian, the, the Ian, site will step Ian. in and ban those people. So Th- that's allow- illegal allow- to describe No, it. that's legal to do. No, it, it isn't. I can, I can it's right on the line, over. guys, actually, as some of the legal background points on both sides. But, I mean, I think, okay, add that to the terms. Like, I really do think as a... You know, aggressive and somewhat amoral leader in practical life if it comes to like what's KSU's recruitment plan going to be for this year not that would be my decision or like how am I going to run my business which I do do pretty successfully I mean I think a lot of this stuff can be settled like you get the tech guys and you get four or five congressmen that know what they're talking about in the back room and you say okay these six things you can ban at will and will allow you what spam. about porn that actually um I would personally allow legal porn but I think that to some extent it wouldn't be very difficult to do this. Like, I, I understand what you're asking. Like, there's there's some technical on-the-fence questions. But, I mean, what you would simply say is, one, no adhesion contracts where people can be banned for no reason. This is your major point. Right now, there's an adhesion contract where people can be banned for no reason. And then you would say social media providers are – I mean, we're to some extent, we're just – Grab asking here. I mean, like, yeah. I don't know if they're going to adopt these rules, but social media providers are allowed to ban all content that is civilly or criminally against the law. Oh, and here's how porn would work, or that is civilly or criminally that it is civilly or criminally legal to restrict 
for an audience of people under 18 or under 21, since those individuals use social media sites. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. What about violence? Violence is fine. It doesn't fall in any of those categories. But it's like R-rated. So it's 7, 18 and then older. Then you could say the same thing. That they so can ban. Parents' responsibility. Like, can they ban someone for putting a video up of a bully fight? Like, Do they let 13-year-olds wander them by themselves downtown in the this city? This isn't about and, that. Like, this is about internet video I'm talking about. And and who dictates what they can and can't yes, put on my their... point is we wouldn't let 13-year-olds walk into an adult video store. Well, They're I think, not allowed. Yeah, I think that there are also a couple of different questions here. One of the deepest ones, since we're all in, getting to that dad range, is like, should 13-year-olds be on Twitter? I mean, there, there's some very no. practical, hell no, there's some very practical things that you could do to take away. I mean, most young men, including me, I read recently, start consuming porn in the USA at like 11 or 12. Jeez. And it actually does, no, but it has a really, I mean, I had a normal high school sex life. Like, you, you definitely hook up with real people in life, but the exposure to like extreme, edgy, spit in my mouth content, if oh, you're worse than 12, that. And your girlfriend's 13 is not going to give you a lot of tips about how to act in real life. So kids, to some extent, need to be moved away from a lot of that. Um, but the practical question, I think, this is something that would be negotiated among intelligent people, presumably intelligent people, if this were ever to happen. But I think what you could say is absolutely no adhesion contracts as a baseline. And I may be technically off on that legal term, but no unfair contracts of this kind. Then we expect social media to ban content that is against the law as a violation of free speech. But then you got to decide what state law are you are you working out of? Depends on where the corporation was founded. A lot of this is federal criminal law, though. I mean, like a ban on, you know, underage or non-human pornography would be fairly easy to enforce in the USA. And this is what you want to be at, right? You want a few things explicitly banned, like terror content. I don't like the gov- the federal government doing it because if you want to do a video on how to grow weed, like it's legal in California, but not legal federally. And but- then so you could bust up a corporation for that. Federal makes stupid And the feds can, can come into California and arrest I, you. I co-founded Minds. Are you familiar with Minds.com? I've uh, definitely heard the name. Honestly, I don't spend a lot. We built it from the ground up. And this is my life for the last decade is figuring out how to how to equitably create terms. And I can't figure it out. I don't think the government should do it for us. And I and I don't think people should be forced into a mold. This is why I go with the free the free software, free the code. That doesn't do anything though. But well, there, allows you say that all the time, but you never explain. No, it doesn't. Do if you give me the plans to build the house, I can't build a house, bro. I don't know how to. Well, I, just you, because you give me the code, you get the people together it. that can help you build it. You can. How do I do that? How do I pay them? I gave you the. I don't care about that. I gave you the blueprint. That I, I, I actually I'm very intelligent, but I'm, I'm kind of with Tim on this one. I mean, like when you say like the parlor thing. We can argue about whether the setup code, the basic structure of the website, someone was worse or better than Twitter. The fact is it wasn't allowed to exist. And I think that this will happen to this. See, this is the thing when we take these morally, I suppose, to the extent I think about moral questions, I agree with you. But the question is, if you say corporations are allowed to handle their own business and do whatever they want, produce whatever content they want, as long as it's legal, they could knock you off for any reason or no reason at all. The issue arises when they knock off the sitting president of the United States or when they uh, 
competitor arises that probably would have been good enough for Trump and those guys to jump back on immediately or removed. When Laura Loomer runs for office and they give her a rival uh, an account, which is free access to advertising and promotion, and deny her one as mm-hmm. a candidate. I think I agree that uh, about Amazon. They have a, a monopoly that's very dangerous on servers right now. But when you look at wh- about the parlor, Twitter, like what's better tech? Okay, uh, that's a decent argument. But nothing compares to YouTube and Facebook. They are completely out of the that's ballpark. Not true. Phenomenal technology Rumble's packages. Better. Dude, nothing is better than YouTube technologically. You go to the YouTube studio. You're actually making a monopoly argument, though. You're saying that between tech and control. So a lot of these things have to have definitions. Like, do you agree the government should break up extreme monopolies? Well, you look at what happened to Standard Oil, Rockefeller's company, and what they Mm -hmm. did was break it into six oil companies. Correct. Rockefeller took stock in all six and became more wealthy and powerful after the breakup. But we we now prohibit that from the departing senior executive or the previous senior executive. Like, there was a response to that. But, like, so, for example, one thing you could do was take Facebook and break – Facebook is itself an agglomeration of different companies. But if you broke off Facebook Messenger into a new company – they still know how to build it because they still have the code so they can rebuild it. No, but that's what I'm saying. Like it, at the most basic level, I actually want something more intense than this that would involve some element of government regulation. We can debate that because we're free citizens. But at the most basic level, Facebook is about five or six companies. Yeah. I mean, like whatever Instagram. their ads platform is called, Instagram, Messenger. It, it just- uh, fa- Facebook's ad system. Uh, so so what all of these companies do, Facebook and, and, and Google specifically, is that Google obviously is a handful of companies. YouTube is not only a video hosting platform, it is a video distribution platform, it is a marketing platform, and it is an ad sales platform. All of these things, or I should say they integrate the ad sales into, you know, all of these things operate in this way. Google, I should say YouTube specifically is an ad sales. It's uh, ad delivery, content delivery, content storage, all of these things in one. If you broke that up, YouTube wouldn't exist. It needs those components to work together. YouTube, however, is not the best. That's an absurd statement. There are many other uh, sites that have come forward with newer technology that's better. And there's a really interesting phenomenon that happens in technology. Why is it that the United States has really crappy cell networks? Because we invented it first. So for, uh, I think, what was the first network? IDEN, IDEN network. Um, So we create this really crappy cell network. Mm. But at the time, it was revolutionary. Well, Korea didn't do cell networks. Not even then, not even for 10 years. Then we invented a few different things. We ultimately end up with the CDMA standard and the GSM standard. CDMA was kind of bad, but it was really good compared to where we were before. GSM comes out. It's a global, uh, you know, it, it became like the global standard. And then Korea decides we're going to build a cell network. Because they were building it for the first time, they built a really good one. Yeah. Because the United States was just improving the existing one, it was always lagging behind. It's happening in Africa. They're putting solar panels on houses and bypassing central electric grids. Exactly. There's a lot of developing tech in the stable African states, and I think a lot of people are sleeping on it, especially giving Chinese colonization. So Like that Chinese-Nigerian complex in West Africa is going to be a rival to the West in 30 years. And so I'll stress this right now. Rumble is better than YouTube. Mm, i I got to look at Rumble. We didn't use – I I only started recently publishing to Rumble. YouTube has the audience. YouTube, YouTube. It's also got the algorithms. YouTube, Search algorithms the, are no, incredible. The algorithm, it, 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 that's, it's not, it's, it's not relevant. That's the marketing issue of it. That's, so the issue here is we're talking about technology and freeing the code. It's pointless. We use YouTube because it is a massive McCormick Center conference room that I know there's a billion people hanging out in. Location, location, location. We use Rumble for a variety of other things because it's, it's a better service, better technology, better bandwidth, customization. It's better across the board. Even Vimeo is better. YouTube is good because there's a massive room in this in this broken down, ridiculous building, and the security guards are dicks, 
And it's like, yeah, but they'll put up a sign with an arrow pointing to my building, and there's a billion people well, they got here. the partner program. They've got the, the Rumble YouTube, does all that, too. YouTube Studio's incredible, dude. It, it, it's, it's, it's pretty good. It's amazing. Rumble, Rumble. I've never off- seen anything remotely even close. What like like what, what, YouTube what? Studio? The ability for a user to go in and have their analytics and their database, like their, what are you their talking they sit about? in their There's control tons console. Of sites that have all that stuff. Uh, if you can show me that Rumble is actually better than that, or even co- holds a candle. I mean, th- that company's been pouring billions into that for years, for like a decade, and they've got like fifty thousand people working on it. I will concede YouTube uh, has pretty good analytics, but everything has has an analytics system. It, it's a big, big, big production to create stuff like that. So then we're we're getting more than into the the marketing space of things. If we're talking about just video hosting, I no, it's I'm the not, whole package. You can't compete with YouTube, a user that wants to create a job on the but internet. But it's nothing with their to do with that, dude. It has to do with the fact that YouTube controls the audience. It's the monopoly on the the, the content. It's this the monopoly been, on the on the code. Is what I'm saying. This seems to be no, like no, Twitter no, versus no, no, it Parler isn't. It's the monopoly again. on the network. People don't use no, Twitter because no. Twitter is good. Yeah, that, that, Bro, that, that Twitter is good. Mines no, is that, way better than Twitter. And there's a reason why less people use it than Twitter. It's because everyone's on Twitter. That's, that's, that's a difficult thing to overcome. It's not the only reason. Twitter's awesome. Twitter's fantastic. I've never had a bug on Twitter. Have you? I've yes. never, I've had yes. frequent bugs okay. on Twitter. But also, I have you, never had you one. You can't edit tweets. Yeah. I mean, in terms of some of the most basic elements of that interface, like I'm not mocking Twitter. Twitter's okay, but I don't think that the reason that Twitter is so utterly dominant in that space is the brilliant quality of its tech. I don't think if you took 15 guys from MIT, they'd have much trouble designing something roughly equivalent or better. There are different elements. Like if your site completely sucks, if your code sucks, if your engineering guys suck, obviously people aren't going to use that product. But also like the Rumble YouTube debate, you could go either way. The reality is that there are what? How many millions of people are there on YouTube right now? Posting video content, using it? I don't know. Billion, billions billion. of hours a day or something? Yep. I don't know what it is. It's like a billion one. I don't know if that's users or videos. Per month, so a billion know. users per month. Billion, billion users. Yeah, billion one per month. That's why YouTube has that. It's got to be more than a billion. Because if CNN's getting 100 and Fox is getting 200 and then you've got big YouTubers, it's got to be in the tens of billions per month. Maybe. Of views. You know what it is? Probably unique oh, users. Uploads. Yeah. It, you, unique there's so users. many unique users versus yeah. views or something. But a lot of this is... We're discussing a lot of technical detail intelligently, but at some level, like, I mean, the point that YouTube is viewed as better than Rumble because there are a billion people using it, you know, quantity has a quality all its own. I don't think anyone would dispute that. The, the real one root question here that we're chopping around is should a company that has a billion users that has allowed you, quote unquote, to get to four million users be able to terminate your account at will? No. Uh, I think no, but I also think that's probably going to require some new legislation. So that that actually, by the way, for like the center right or the tech sector or whatever you want to call it, that is a legitimate goal. Not congressmen sitting around mumbling in their ancient way trying to describe the Internet. But will you add some basic clause to the law strengthening the rules against adhesion contracts or going back perhaps to more traditional monopoly law? And again, we're, we're kind of fantasizing here, but I don't see any reason that wouldn't happen. You know, except willpower well, from the Republicans is lacking and Democrats have the ideological advantage. I'm also concerned about the, the market itself. Like you said, uh, they have a billion users or something. Okay. Like, how do you how do you break that up? Yeah, that's that's exactly you. You, you oh, can't. You, you got to give the code away. It's the only that doesn't way. make any sense. Well, then you dude. could I can build a YouTube that interoperates well, you so you're those billion can see my content. Then why don't you use Rumble? Because I don't know. I don't need it. Why not? 
because I have YouTube oh, and mine. The... Because YouTube gets you more views and definitely, and I can make this is money. kind of the Ouroboros here. I mean, it's obviously there. Uh, the tech is great, but there's a reason people use Twitter instead of Parler. Then that's probably the weakest of the examples. There's a reason people use YouTube instead of Rumble. And the, when the people started using are, Parler, mm. they shut Parler down. Yeah, Parler was facing critical mass; it was exploding in users. Parler was the number six app across both app stores. Parler was actually outperforming either Twitter or Facebook. I forget which. Immediately, like the day before it was shut down. And we've seen this, by the way. This this is an important point I do want to make here. We've seen the steel fist come out of the velvet glove a few times recently. Like large competitive countries do have a ruling class that knows it's a ruling class. However many conspiracies are real and all this sort of thing. So, I mean, like, for example, with um, the Robin Hood stuff. Where people started playing the short sellers in the stock market, which I was a part of. I think many people were. Um, but they shut you, it down. Yeah, they immediately shut it down. They came up with some BS reason like, we're running out of money here, boys. And immediately halted trading on the stocks that were being affected in a way that was hurting powerful rich people. You can call that a coincidence, but you have to combine that with the same coincidence where a parlor beats FB one day. And the next day, it's like, well, that's how the Capitol riot was coordinated. It wasn't Facebook, which is used by far more older demographic individuals. We need to get these boys out of here. And so Parler shuts down. I think Parler's back now, but, it, but no, their moment was over. broken. Yeah, Right. Well, let's take Super Chats and see what the Super Chats have to say. If you haven't already, give that like button a little tap. Become a member at TimCast.com. We don't do bonus segments on Fridays, but we do have a vlog coming up tomorrow. And we made Luther Burgers. And uh, I... You know the Luther burger? No. You weren't here for that. Oh, uh-huh. that's right. What, what was it? Andreas, it's it's a double bacon cheeseburger with two glazed donuts instead of buns. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> he put Gross. mustard on it, and we were like. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> that's we, the we, thing that took it over the line. Tune in in the yeah. mustard. I'm not a fan. Yeah, but it, it, I, I, we had a mini, I had a small one yeah. with, with no sauce. It was just the cheeseburger, no bacon, and just the donut. We did one yeah. donut. It's good. Yeah, well, I imagine they I are mean, good. Come on, it's delicious. So that's the vlog tomorrow. It'll be up at like 9 a.m. or whatever. YouTube.com slash CastCastle. Let's take these super chats. Anime Audio Commentary says, did you guys hear about what Chris Chan did? I heard the leaked audio and it left me speechless. No. I have no idea what this meme is supposed to be, but I, isn't Chris Chan that like skateboarder who's really good? I don't he's know. Like, he's got a know. YouTube video. I don't know about What are they talking about? Yeah. Never heard of the guy. Sorry. All right. But there's like a, a meme or something about what did he do? And everyone's like, oh, I'm so shocked. But there's like nothing really happening. Mm. Questionable content says, Ian, chiropractors are a scam. It is illegal to call yourself a doctor in Europe if you are just a chiropractor without any additional medical degree. Yeah, when you get your your butt, your back cracked, it's up to you to continue to hold your new posture. It, you can't. They're not going to fix you, and then you go home and go back to your old lazy posture. You you need to change your own posture. So it's you end up doing ninety nine percent of the work. The other thing with chiropractic, I mean, like I've gone to a chiropractor. They are great with the human back. I mean, it's a very advanced level of sort of muscular, uh, I don't know. It felt like a very intense massage is a good way to remove some of that technical jargon. But they definitely, they know their way around the spine. My understanding is the problem with chiropractic is that they claim that working on the spine can cure almost everything. If you read the original manuals for the field, it's sort of like this is how to relax depression via spine pressure. So you get into that same weird maybe medical zone that you do with acupuncture, I think. Yes. Uh, Skeleton King 322 says, and this is interesting. That fit right in there. Yeah. I can't share this podcast on Facebook at all. Excuse me. Maybe the title. Our work here is done. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. uh, Put it on parlor. Just one. Well, no, maybe it's just you, Skeleton King. Maybe uh, everybody should try sharing this podcast on Facebook right now 
to see if Skeleton King is incorrect. So uh, who knows? I mean, you'll have to take the URL and then paste it onto Facebook and press enter. Right. Who knows? Oh, yeah. Who Just, knows? Well, so experiment. I strongly encourage people to share this as widely as possible. If you want to tag me on it in, on Twitter, um, I'm at Will underscore duh underscore B-E-A-S-T 630. So let's see if it works. Nice. Right on. Pierce Worsig says, hey, Tim, update. Uh, from my grocery store, all employees are required to wear masks starting Monday. School just mandated student wear masks even after requiring vaccination. Yeah, the New York Times had an article saying that I think it's, um, what was it? Broadway is going to require vaccines and masks. Ooh. Did you say at the beginning of the show that these articles are saying that people with the vaccine are, are not less contagious? The New York Times said people with the, uh, that people, vaccinated people, have the same likely likeliness to spread COVID as people who are unvaccinated. Can, can How, I, however, however, uh-huh. they the context they left out that's making everyone angry is that they're less likely to catch COVID. Yes. Meaning but they're less they likely do, to show symptoms? They're 94% less likely to get COVID. That's, I mean, that that's a good summary, but well, that's the issue. Like except, 89 ex- to 94. Except that the problem with that data is in Massachusetts, there was an outbreak where 75% of those who got sick were vaccinated. Mm. And the vaccination rate in Massachusetts is 63.9, meaning it was disproportionately those who were vaccinated who got sick. I don't have explanations for this, nor am I asserting anything other than we need to figure out why that happened. Yeah. So look, the New York Times said... You are less likely to get it, but you, if you do, you are equally likely to spread it. The one, the one thing I would say here is, and I am also not asserting or making any medical claims, but the, the one thing that I would say here is like most of the research on the vaccine, I, that's a fascinating story. I don't know if that's an outlier situation. Like you would find outliers in any pool of, you know, 200 million. I, I do think that's important to note, but all of the stuff, the CDC, Israeli, et cetera, research on the vaccine kind of puts the efficacy at between 89 and 94% that I have personally read. Yeah. Um, maybe a little less for Delta, say, you know, one in 10. But to have a breakthrough infection that's transmissible, you do need to have a breakthrough infection. So a lot of this just seems like panicking once again. Like we've got seniors reasonably well protected. The average COVID victim in the USA was 81, as they, I recall. They want so lockdowns. They, they, that's correct. There's, or, I don't know if there's a unified they there, but it's easy just if you're in a position of political leadership and you're a bit weak minded, it's easy to just say not one life. We're going with the most extreme thing we tried before. Here it goes again, in my opinion. So the question, last one sentence question here, but the question is, okay, you've been vaccinated. Say you're 85 percent less likely to get covid, which puts your risk of getting and transmitting fatal covid about on par with the flu. The only people you could give this to at the normal pre-existing risk would be unvaccinated people, mostly younger, who've chosen not to get the shot for personal health reasons. So I don't see any moral liability here. I don't think it's the vaccinated that are filling up the hospitals to the extent anyone is. I haven't seen any data showing that hospitals are overloaded for quite a while on this. Yeah, quite so the it's, opposite, it seems like the same arguments keep coming up, like just, you know, 15 months to flatten the curve kind of stuff. All right. Zenovia says, Tim, even though civvies can't be charged using the UCMJ, they're already calling the others extremists once done. Well, I will never forget when Obama had a U.S. citizen executed by drone. Um, Zenovia, what do you mean a U.S. citizen? Wasn't it four? I can at least cite uh, Anwar Alalaki and Abdurrahman Alalaki, and I'm pretty sure there were a couple others, but I could be wrong. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Jared the Lifeguard says, listening to the podcast while digging up my potato plants by hand, barefoot in the garden. It oh, feels okay. great to get filthy and intimate with Mother Nature. So we had, uh, uh, so our garden is basically, we're done with it. We are, we're just waiting now on the sunflower seeds, but everything else basically has been harvested and we're over it. But, uh, the chickens went in cause we have a, um, we have one long, I guess we call it like planter, I guess you call it. And we had the jalapenos have been picked. The plants are all done. The chilies are, are gone. We, uh, we had basil, basil bushes though, which are amazing. Like each and every one of those leaves is mm, basil. Amazing. The chickens, they found it. And they started uprooting the plants and like, you know, doing the dirt baths. So we had to, we took the basil out, we, we repotted it and moved it and then we planted some more tomatoes. And now we're going to do like a separate, smaller, individual potted garden. And then we're going to, we're actually cementing over and we're going to move the garden over. But yeah, it's good fun. The chickens have decided they're going to destroy everything. As they do. And they yell while they're doing it. <laughs> All right. Arch, Arch Smith says, Republics function as the battle between oligarchs. Less the Roman Republic, more the Renaissance Republics of Italy. Shout out to Ian. Read up on the Medici and others like him. The Medici. There you go. Mm. Maris McMullen says, I'm a wood turner and make cremation urns. I found less than five companies that do the same in the U.S. It hurts me that so many are willing to buy such a sentimental item made with slave labor instead of American hands. Yeah. What does America even make anymore? We're, we've, we've, we've offshored everything, you know, even our cremation urns. We still make weapons, Haas. That's true. Though. Yeah, it's true. We're good at that. Matthew Houck says, Australia lost a war with birds. Expectation they could even remotely fight their nearly disarmed masses is laughable. When are you going to have Thomas Sowell on? I would love yeah, to. Yeah, whenever he wants. Love to. <laughs> yeah. Larry Elder, too. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. All right. Let's see. 2020 Madness says, I'm currently moving to West Virginia. I just decided to get in my car and head that way. No real plan. If y'all know anybody looking for a welder, please shout them out. I own my own machine. Cool. Very cool. Uh, yeah. West Virginia is fantastic. I, l- I love the wineberries, man. We we had wineberry season. They're gone now. They're all withered. But man, for those that month or two where there was just red berries everywhere and we just took them all and it was great. We made ice cream and mm-hmm. cake with it. That's awesome. You walk in the backyard and there's just hundreds. Pawpaw is coming up, though. We're going to make true. some pawpaw cake. That's I'm excited for that. Hillbilly banana. Oh, West Virginia, man. That's what I'm talking about. All right. Let's see. Jonathan Duger says, of the 98 million monthly views that CNN got, how many of them are people dumping all over them? Huh. Like 80%. Isn't no, it like... It's like 80%. Do they measure it where like at 7 o'clock, they measure 700,000 views, and at 8 o'clock, they measure 800,000 views, but like it's the 700 of the same people? 700, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they'll be like, there was 15,000 views. But it was like, dude, just because you divided the show into two one-hour two one segments doesn't mean that those 800,000 people watched it twice. Well, it, 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 it depends on for the, uh, uh, the advertisers. So it would count as two. That's a weird yeah. way to this count is, metrics. I this is many. the same thing with tech brands using page views, right? Which is why you scroll through these 15 and 20 page lists of celebrities. Like if you're even mildly unscrupulous with views, like every one of those is a person clicking on a unique page of your site. I mean, so that's, yeah. does that mean if, you have 15 unique observers of that poll? No. Yeah. So, uh, if I can, I can mention that. Live viewership on this show is not displayed on YouTube. They only display what's called VOD viewership. And so our live viewership tends to be a couple hundred thousand views every night. It was a lot higher during election season. Views are way down for everybody, not just CNN. I mean, it's down for us too, but we're, 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 we're doing all right. And that's, that's not displayed. If I wanted to play, you know, number games, 
we, my show, uh, both my shows across the board, it's easily like 2 million views per day. You know, and then I can look at CNN and be like, what is Don Lemon getting? 170? I mean, in reality, he's really getting that low. Now, it's hard to actually do a cross between like, okay, so I put up how many videos per day? It's kind of a lot. You know, we have like five, four segments on Timcast IRL from the previous show, plus the show. Then we've got three from Timcast, plus we've got the Timcast.com stuff. They're different people, but not all people watch every single part of it. But I will say, yeah, we are crushing CNN in terms of that kind of viewership. And then the other thing about CNN is when you look at their videos on YouTube, it's all thumbs down. People are forced to watch it and they hate it. Hmm. All right, let's see. Ask Dummy says, one last try. Internet attention ad- addiction for all its good, now main threat. COVID lockdowns, riots, cancel culture, sedentary life are consequences of this consciousness redefining drug. Web, please have Nicholas Carr to talk neuroscience of internet addiction. That would be interesting. Oh, that's yes. awesome. Hmm. Thomas Williams says, I'm a rural American 50-50 city now. Bet 50 bucks you don't care about what, uh, uh, care about what us norms think. I'll come on your show. I'm no one. I'm just some guy who is pissed off that I care about politics now. We are, we're trying to figure out how to do a show like that. The challenge is legal liability for bringing out lots of people to a non-public space. This is what we run into. We're trying to do events. We're trying to do public events, but there's questions about inviting large groups of people on ticket sales to a private residence. Like, we gotta figure it out. We gotta figure it out. I think we're gonna figure it out, and I think we're, we're getting really close to actually having the events, and I apologize to everybody who's been waiting, but it's like, we're just, we hit, we hit roadblocks. You can't just do things. The government regulates, you know what I mean? Alright, Steve and Marina Degrosa says, New Yorker stuck here in communist Australia. The problem is less the government and more the sad Aussie citizens calling the police on their neighbors. I can't wait to come home and move to Houston, Texas. It's a good place, man. It's a, it's a good place. All right. Let's see what we got. MRM says, Tim, heard from family friends that my Catholic church diocese is requiring priests to get the jab. And if they don't comply, they are to retire. Wow. Leave it to, uh, leave it to then. Oh, leave it to Ethan. Ha ha. Anyone else get called an idiot by multiple doctors and nurses for wearing a mask in January, March, just to watch them all change and mask up? Hashtag trust. That is a very difficult situation, man. All right, let's see. Do do do. Um, what do we got here? Oh, got to be careful. There's a lot of super chats where people are getting kind of angry, so I'm gonna be careful. So I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep reading. Oh, 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 oh I definitely have to read this. The laughing man says, "I thought what I'd do was I'd pretend I was one of those deaf mutes." Anybody get that reference? No. No. Uh, you know the laughing man. No. And, you, and you teach cybersecurity? I mean... I've, you gotta watch Ghost in the Shell standalone complex. I'll, uh, I'll check it out. It's great. Uh, the Laughing Man was a hacker who, in, in, in Ghost in the Shell, people have cyberized brains, like nanites, and he actually could hack people's eyes, their brains, in real time, so they only saw this, like, icon of, like, hmm. this, this, like, very rudimentary baseball hat, and there were words from Catcher in the Rye, I thought what I'd do, I, was, I, would, I, would, pretend, I would pretend I was one of those death mutes rotating around it. Yeah, super cool. We're, we're more focused on uh, the reality, but the movie sounds cool. I'll check it out. <laughs> it's a TV show. Uh, it's, oh. There's a movie, and then they made a, an anime series. Oh, but it's, it's 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 really cool. All right, let's see. Trek God says, regarding 230, how about this? If a private company gets special public protections rights, then said company should be held to public, not private standards. Like government cannot curtail free speech as a public standard. 
I mean, that's interesting. They're getting special legal protections from the government. Then they should also have, in turn, special legal uh, guarantees to the public. It's it's a fine line of when the government takes over and starts to control that business. That's very dangerous, too. I, I agree with that. But I will say there's actually a very specific point here that I'm sure both of you guys have seen in online debates, which is the publisher platform debate, which is becoming more sophisticated. So, I mean, generally, the idea is you can't regulate a platform. You can't punish the phone company because... People discuss drugs on T-Mobile's lines or something like that. But if you're a publisher, if you remove or edit more than X percent of the content posted to your site, you can be regulated pretty intensely. And, I mean, any of those provisions focusing on adhesion and so on would become more potent. So, I mean, I, I think at the most basic one-sentence level, it's pretty obvious to say Facebook is a publisher. Yeah, like, when they do, like, site-wide notifications or when they say this is fake news, con when they put, like, qualifications on content that's facebook editorializing and even a good point and even be even before the cdc thing which is wild i mean one of the uh one of the entities that was flagged as being very unreliable on covid was the official science academy of sweden because sweden <laughs> never shut down and did better than many if not most other major countries how they they? they did how dare they Indeed. But I mean, I, I think that they did the things that you would really want to focus on. I mean, attempting to protect seniors, avoiding yeah. large events. I mean, they're very specific. It's, it's, it's like open now. There's like videos coming out. People are just walking around, minding, you yeah. know, it's fine. And they they never, I mean, they had a lower death per capita rate than we did. It was just always the elephant in the room that was just universally ignored. But part of that was Facebook not letting their scientific agencies communicate right. information on the platform. All right, Xander Klein says, the fact you used a pizza restaurant instead of a sandwich shop for Dave Rubin, for shame, more puns. That's a really good idea. Dave, let's open a restaurant called Rubin's Rubin's. Yes. I love oh, wow. Rubin's. I do, too. Oh, yeah, they're, yeah, yeah, they're the good. I, yeah, good Rubin. Wow. Uh, Rubin's Rubin's. Dave, what are you doing? All right, all right. Enough jokes. All right, let's see. We got Phobes or Phobus says, Competition and decentralization is the answer to big tech censorship. Increased state involvement will not turn out the way people think it will. But the problem I see with a lot of libertarians is they don't understand negative rights versus positive rights. We're not saying the government has to go in and enforce that a company does something. We're saying a company can't do a thing. So and maybe that's not a, maybe that's not a, not a good enough distinction in that, I suppose, because then you're arguing they do have to allow certain content to exist, which is still them doing something, I guess. Now, I don't know. Look. I think you look at what happens with privately owned public spaces. They say it's owned by a private business, but they gain some tax benefit. There's So there's like instances where they say, if you want to have this building, you have to dedicate X amount of space to the public. So it'll be privately owned, but the public gets to use it. Because they let the public use it, they now have one that they have to guarantee the First Amendment. So I don't see why there's any difference with, with social media. All right, what's this? Cole Will says News Voice got nuked this week. I don't know what that is. There's no news on it, ironically. Who is lookup states the domain status is prohibited from transferring to another registrar. Keep up the good work. I'm not familiar with News Voice. Hmm. All right. We're going to get the big the big jump in Super Chats. Zenobia X says, second Super Chat for the day. Ian, check out the YouTube channel Science and Futurism with Isaac Arthur. He goes over stuff like space colonization using current tech and graphene, etc. P.S. I got chickens because of you, Tim. LOL. Chickens are amazing. We in the new vlog, it's like we put a chick we put a camera on the ground and the chickens walk up to investigate it. Oh, I love them. And it's really funny because it's like making weird noises. Yeah, That's it's cool. great. Chickens are chickens are hilarious. Thanks for sending me that science science of futurism. Thank you. All right, let's see. Lord Hypno says, Tim, you mentioned both your brother and Rusty Cage in yesterday's podcast and Monkey Jones tonight. 
You should just go ahead and shout shout out the Trash Rats podcast. They do all three together. Shout out to the Trash Rats podcast. I've not actually uh, listened to it, but obviously I know who these gentlemen are as they are uh, um, prolific individuals. They're they're of great production and and uh, edginess. All right, let's see. Wait, what is this? The uh, this wi- wheel fish says you can share the link, but it does not go to the top of the news feed. It's more than twenty posts down, but at the top of my profile page. Interesting. Weird. Well, we have to have this experiment. Everybody just share the link to the show to <laughs> see if what this wheel fish is saying is true. Hmm. <laughs> That's a good experiment. Oh, man. Like All right. Let's see. Skelly, Skellywag Swagger says, Ian doesn't seem to understand how open source code works. Linux, for example, only ever worked because the original source was well documented. Big tech isn't going to document if forced to go open. Well, then that's a federal offense. You're saying that they have, they have, they were forced to hire people to to archive and document. If yeah, if they released code but they obfuscated the release, that would. That's not it. what he's saying. He's saying that they were documenting Linux. That you're you're saying that Facebook would be forced to hire an archivist to yeah. like. Yeah, welcome to the 21st century. We need to understand <laughs> that code inside. You're and saying out. saying you don't want the government to get involved, and now you're saying they're. You're well, forcing I want them companies. to break up monopolies. That's what I like to use the government for. That's my biggest. Whoa. Okay. Whoa. That's that's actually what we were all kind of arguing about earlier. Okay. Yeah. Just how to do it is the. Yeah. yeah. Iceman says, have you thought about inviting Aaron Lewis on the show? I mean, they're, they're Aaron Lewis, rock star, celebrity. Like, of course, I'd love to have someone like Aaron Lewis in the show. We've never thought about it because I don't know. Maybe we should try and reach out to some of these people. There have been some um, famous musicians that we've been in communication with, but I'd love to have Aaron Lewis on the show. That'd be fantastic. All right. Lost Cause says, Tim, a local place does a grilled cheeseburger where the top and bottom bun is a grilled cheese. Wow. <laughs> we got to do that. Dude, we're legit doing that tomorrow. Two grilled cheeses with cheeseburger in the middle. So good, but not not healthy, but good. Oh, no, no, no. Not only are we going to do a grilled cheese cheeseburger, but you know what the biggest mistake people make when they make grilled cheese? They take the bread, they put the cheese in the middle, they butter both sides, and then they grill on both sides. No, 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 no. You butter the bread, grill it, then you take it off and put the cheese on the grilled side, then close it, then oh, butter wow. it, grill both sides of the bread. Oh, hot. Oh, snap. <laughs> Did I think... <laughs> I think we will do that tomorrow. That sounds amazing. We'll have that. to go to the store and buy some have, stuff. But have fun with that. Sounds healthy. That's That'll good. be very, very funny. All right. We'll just do a, a, a couple more here. XRunner55 says, one of your best guests. This engineer worked with plenty of political scientists in government and not of this caliber. He knows his stuff. Yeah. Thanks, go. guys. Yeah. This has been really great, actually. Yeah, enjoy talking. Uh, I hope you come back. This is really fun. I'm done. You got the knowledge, man. That's true. Yeah, yeah this, this is yeah. sort of my uh, my short form visit here. Actually, uh, today I'd be I'd be down to come back. I, Absolutely, I don't know how to make a grilled cheese. Heck yeah, let's <laughs> do it. I'm a pretty cool guy. <laughs> yeah, <all right. laughs> Ryan Schroeder says I own a Papa John's in East Aurora, Illinois. What a special week to have both Mr. Riley and Mr. Schnatter on the show. Thanks, Timcast crew, for all you do. Next time you are in town, Mr. Riley, pizza on me. Ooh, Papa nice. John's. E E E A. That's cool. Next time I'm back, I'll, I'll definitely. Uh, Check out some of the local cuisine. Papa John's in East Aurora, man. Yeah. It's got to be an interesting job running a pizza place in East Aurora, unless the place is dramatically gentrified. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Christopher Knoll says, Ian, tech and culture are downstream from environment and perception. Also, Will's unintentional Mike Wire mustache was the best drinking game. Thanks. Oh, really? Well, because the wire right there, I guess people can see the camera. Like, I don't know what that means. Like, when do you drink? Probably when I I have a mustache. It's like the ironic hipster mustache that guys tattoo on their (laughs) thumbs. Love it. All right. Joe Darman says, Tim, you need to watch Babylon 5. If you liked DS9, you would love it. 
Ian is like Gakar. If Gakar did a ton of drugs, nice. It has some eerie parallels. <laughs> okay, I love that character. All right, all right. Let's just grab. Uh, we'll just grab uh, one more. Larry Funk says they lied about Dave for the sake of making themselves look like the good guys, which is a value to them. They gained that value at his expense. But I think the problem is. Uh, it's it's getting to the point where the, the narrative is destabilizing, you know? Yeah. How are they going to – how do they keep maintaining this lie that people broke the rules when you have someone like Dave Rubin, nearly a million followers, you know? He's a prominent guy. They're they're flying too close to the sun, and I think the narrative is is, 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 is crumbling. But my friends, thank you all so much for hanging out on this wonderful Friday night. Check out that vlog tomorrow at youtube.com slash castcastle. And you can follow this show at timcastirl on Facebook and Instagram and at timcast underscore IRL if you're on TikTok for some reason. We're there too. And you can follow me personally at timcast. Uh, go to timcast.com, become a member. Don't forget, we have tons of articles that go up all the time and your membership supports those articles, gets you ad-free and our whole library of members-only podcasts. My friends, you can go to the site now. You can search type in a name and see the episodes we had with these individuals. So it's very easy to navigate now and you can see the whole library of content if you're a member. Do you want to shout anything out with, uh, shout anything out, Wilfred? Um, shout out to Kentucky State University. Shout out to those uh, listening to me. If any of you want to hear any more of my dribble going forward, I'm just Wilfred Riley, uh, W-I-L-F-R-E-D-R-E-I-L-L-Y. Um, check me out. You'll find my Facebook, Twitter, websites with my content etc and shout out to you guys for uh, having me on the show enjoyed it absolutely dude thanks for coming that was really great man um you guys can follow me at iancrossland.net and at iancrossland if you wonder what the shirt is that i'm wearing check it out oh, yeah whoa this is a uh is exertus that's andreas he's actually in the vlog you know andreas and he um, eats the luther burger yeah he's the wild <laughs> one and uh you can pick this shirt up unfortunately i didn't ask him where beforehand do you know where he's selling these shirts no i'll let you know uh, next week and you can pick one up of your own it's a cool shirt though awesome. at exertus very exciting you guys Boom. are more than welcome to follow me on twitter at sour patch kids as i attempt to gain more followers in sour patch kids it's a lofty goal but i think i can make it because i'm introducing my little cat tomorrow i'm adopting him officially tomorrow his name is dip i'm buying the dip he's a little crackhead Super excited. He's going to be great. I'm stoked. So join me over on Twitter. We will see you all tomorrow at 9 a.m. at youtube.com slash castcastle. Thanks for hanging out, and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye, guys. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.